I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Live on the Pantels podcast with my buddy and one of the very few comedy legends that we have in this city, Joey Elias. Legend's a big word. Well, there's who? There's you, there's Mike, there's... I consider... I consider... Um, are, are you considering everybody living? Uh, living legends, okay. I would say. Yeah, yeah, not dead ones. like Sean Keen. There right? you go. Sean, oh, he made it late. Um, David John McCarthy. Okay, there we go. Okay. You know, like, but, for but, me, David, but, you know, DJ was my mentor. You was... Um, uh, you told me years ago that you and DJ would, like, he taught you the ropes. Yeah. Him and John Rogers. John's still in uh, L.A., you know, writing and stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, DJ passed. It's actually going to be three years just after Christmas. David Pride, I consider, also uh, one Pride's of the legends. Le- Listen, in terms of legends in this city, living legends, uh, I think you got Heidi Foss, yes. David Acker, David Pride, um... I know I'm missing Derek Sager. There's people that like I'll forget, but in general, like I know when I bring them on, I know who's who's who at least in my eyes. But like you, Mike, uh, there's people that it's obvious, you know. Well, we've. Also I mean, in English like- comedy, it's very rare to find someone that doesn't know who you are or doesn't talk about you, doesn't use you as an example. Yeah, drops my name to get yeah. free stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're 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 well known. I love that. Hey, Pantel. Hey, what's up? And uh, everybody calls you fucking Poseidon. Goddamn it! Everybody calls you Pantels. It's yeah. okay. It, it could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> Are you all right? You came in disheveled. Yeah, I'm I think fine, he I'm looks fine. good, man. The last time I saw you, you, you had the beard going. Yeah. Right? Now you're all he's clean. Cl- yeah, he's caught. cleaning it up a bit. Yeah. I apologize for the messy look, but uh, I haven't fine. been you're doing anything. You know? He just rushed in. He he went for an emergency. Yeah. So he, he made it right on time. Yeah. Good job, son. You're I a like hero. It, Is yeah. he okay? We'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> Which is a no. That's a no. That's a no. All right. Yeah. Let's get this. It's so, Joey, fuck, it's the first time I see you in forever. Yeah, I think the last time we saw each other was, you know, the club was still open, so it must have been, what, July? Yeah, we were hanging out back there. Yeah, we, we did spots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when uh, things were still up and going and the Steelers were still undefeated and life was good. Yeah. Um, I said they were going to end up with three losses in the season. Well, I've said this for a lot of seasons when this happens, when teams go on a winning streak. I prefer they get it out of their system, the loss, in the regular season. So if they're ready for anything, they don't go too overconfident in the playoffs, that's better long-term. I'd rather a team loses in the regular season and goes to the Super Bowl than a team that's undefeated and then gets fucking knocked out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I do say that they're going to lose the last game to Cleveland. Yeah, you think... uh, I think they're just going to, you know, they're going to clinch a playoff spot this week. Be happy with it. And then they're going to kind of rest up anybody who's going to be sore or injured. I mean, unless you have guys like, you know, Claypool... God love this kid, eh? Nice kid from BC. The the best of the tweets though. Every time, like he's like, every time he fucking tweets, there's trouble. Like when he tweeted that losing, I don't know her name. Then they lost. <laughs> I, I was like, but I, I go, this is bad. This is bad juju. 
You shouldn't tweet that. And Juju, yeah. he's great. You know, so again, if they're if they're, I think they're gonna make a run. But Casey's so sick. They were last year. They were the Super Bowl champs last year. Yeah, yeah. so sick. This team. Are you a football fan too? Uh, no. Okay. I always I, wanted to play football when I was a kid, but I never got to it. He he would have been good though. He has size yeah. that you can't teach. So yeah. he would have been a good football player. Yeah. Tight end. No, his end is very loose. I, I, well, I don't know all the stories. I, uh, <laughs> I I know I, I hear some of them, but I. Yeah, so is your show still on Global? My show is still on Global. How would you describe it? How would I describe it? It is yeah. a uh, segment. So it's called Everyday Joe. Yeah. And it's on Sundays at uh, 6 p.m., like part of the 6 o'clock news. Because if I had to describe it, I would be like, it's Joey bitching about stuff. Yeah. But they won't let you describe it like that on regular TV. So what do you say? <laughs> what do I say? I say it's um, what everybody is talking about. And I kind of put a silly twist on it. Yesterday on Global, I was on uh, in the morning just being interviewed. And one of the, the nicest things ever said to me by a female was, um, whenever I watch your, your spot, your segment, you always make sense. No female has ever, ever said that to me before. Interesting. So that was great. Um, so I think what I try to do is take what everybody's talking about. You know, whether it's like this uh, Sunday's episode uh, is all about, you know, we can't, Everybody seems to be very excited because, you know, the vaccine is in the city. Yeah. And then still there's some people that don't want to take it. But it's only, uh, I mean, people that don't want to take it. I mean, for it to hit the general population, I heard it's not going to be before a year. Yeah. Like right now it's old folks home. So even like you don't have to talk about it right now. Like everyone's no, like, oh, well, I'm are. not going to take it tomorrow. You're No one's giving it to you tomorrow. And we don't even, listen, yeah. I would sign up tomorrow. If, if they gave it to me, if they were like Joey. Oh, I mean, I'm going to wait. I want to see. I want to make sure everyone's okay. And see, then I'll take why. it. I, if they said, look, would you take it on your global segment? Absolutely. Oh, I wouldn't. I would. Because then if something happens to me, people will play it back. Look at this fucking idiot. Well, <laughs> look at this happy idiot. But you also know me. Like as soon as that injection goes in, I would, you know, probably Faint. myself. Yeah, just do something crazy. On, on national television just to make. The gag. Did you see the nurse? I was. Con the, it's been all over Twitter and on the internet. I thought I go, there's a chance she's trolling, but like she's not trolling. She just had a condition, so she just one of the first people in that hospital to take the vaccine, and she's talking about it live on the news. She's like, "Oh, hold on, my head hurts," huh? and then she just faints. And the news people are like, "Holy shit!" And you know, four doctors are rushing to help right. her. But there's many reasons why people faint after getting a vaccine. It's it's just the timing is hilarious. Sure. And like, I hope she's trolling, but everybody says it wasn't a troll. It's just she had a reaction. Some people, when they get vaccinated, they have a weird reaction. So, I, but I, I was like, oh, this is, this, you can't write this stuff. This is amazing. Mm. I just want to know what's, like, they haven't said what's in this vaccine. If they do, are you going to understand it? Like, I won't get everything. I don't know well, about Well, I mean, I, there's always something. Is this going to kill me or severely handicap me? That's what I want to know. If you tell me no, then we're cool. That's yeah. all I want to know. I, I, I don't know either because I've been looking at videos. I don't know what's real, what's not anymore. Like I, 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 I stumbled upon a video that said it had fetal matter, not fecal, fetal. Fe yeah, the UK one you told me. Yeah, yeah you yeah, sent yeah, me yeah. videos about that shit, and it's like, I don't know enough. I'm not. I'd rather have fetal matter than fecal matter. Yeah, they're just pumping <laughs> shit inside <laughs> you. It's the queen's poop. Listen, <laughs> if you're going to pump shit into me, at least let it have some DNA that may make me smarter. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like if this fetal piece is maybe the piece that's missing for me. And it helps. Inject it. Now, I'm going to wait because uh, even in my age range and my health, just statistically, I'm not the one who's in danger. Right. So take care of the people you need to. I'm going to watch things from afar. 
and uh, see how bunker. that goes. Yeah, just watch it from a bunker, see see how that goes. But either way, now I'm not too worried. I don't want to get it because I don't want to infect anyone. That's why I'm keeping my distance and everything. But uh, it's not for me. I'm scared of giving it to my mother. Uh, fucking, I don't know, even Poseidon or Mike, I was scared of Mike because he has diabetes. That's what I fear for. But for myself, even if I get it, I won't fear for my life. Right. I mean, I'm a diabetic as well. So there you go. And I can't tell you how many, like I've gone out of town to do shows in places where the clubs are still open. The precautions I take are no different when I go out of my house to go to, you know, just to, let's say, buy, you know, some milk at the Dep or if I'm going to a comedy club. There's no difference. You know why? I'm. Listen, I've, I've been, you know me, I'm OCD, man, yeah. and ADD. So I've been scrubbing hands, and I've had hand sanitizer on me. For, like, the, the weirdest thing about this pandemic is now everybody is living like I am. And I'll tell you what pisses me off the most, is I've had this dream for years of I'm just going to retire somewhere in the woods, a small little cabin. If you want to see me, find me. Otherwise... Fuck off. That's where you're heading to. I'm basically the Unabomber without a manifesto. Okay? That's how I wanted to retire. Now everybody, everybody's like, I'm getting a house in the woods. <laughs> you know? And you're like, wait a minute. That's my shit. Yeah. You know, Why like, are you stealing my gag? It's, it's like the Kramer. That's my move. Yeah. You know? That is my yeah. life. So welcome to how I've been living. I mean, I, I know this may shock people, um, but I, I'm not a social guy. You know, when I was younger... Uh, you know, we were talking about legends and, you know, DJ and all the other comics. We didn't have social media. Our social media was go out. Yeah, see people. Socialize. So after a show, we would go into the bar and we would sit there and we would make friends with the bar owners, the bartenders. And we then, would lick our hands. It was free. There was yeah, no we COVID. Would hug, you know, sometimes I would even remove, uh, as, as my people say, schmutz. You know, like like the grandmothers. You know, yeah, you lick yeah. your finger and you you go and you wipe. You think that's crazy? You know, we just took away from people. They're never gonna have uh, a, the younger generation is never gonna understand blowing out candles at someone's birthday party. No one's gonna spit on a cake anymore. Who's gonna blow on a whole cake? Yeah, true. We used to literally fucking eat spit. those. Pe- yeah, spit and then eat that cake. That's never gonna happen again. Yeah, I never I, even thought of that. <laughs> Do you know how much stuff they have to change? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. do you know how disgusting I feel now that for the last 48 years of my life, I've eaten so many birthday cakes? I feel like just for that, we should all get a vaccine now. <laughs> do you remember? Did you ever have friends that did the uh, money cake? Where there's a piece of like a coin like inside? Would put coins. Yeah, of course we do that. Yeah, the Greeks have that. Yeah. Yeah. Every New Year. Oh, you do it every New Year? Yeah. But basically, you cut the pieces and then whoever finds the coin is lucky. As oh, luck. I know there's a, a tradition. I don't know what culture actually, but they bake uh, mm. a baby. Like oh a, no, that's like not a us. little doll of a baby. That doesn't sound good, right? And that's the whole thing is that if you find that in your slice, uh, it means you you know oh the new year is starting off right for you. Interesting, right? So as the year starts as a baby, you found the baby, it grows. I don't know about that. But. I don't know about that, but that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know, but there's so much stuff we're going to have to change in the future that they... I'm, I'm good with no handshakes. I don't mind the handshakes, because yeah. even for the longest time, now we did the elbows, but for the longest time, weren't we just fist bumping? We had yeah. stopped no. the handshakes. Well, like, you and I would just like kind of, you know, hug in. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. We would hug it out. So, so it's not like the, like the people gone, that you no. just shake hands, yeah, the hugs are gone. So much stuff is... But some good stuff is gone, too, because now you could yeah. avoid people, and you have a valid excuse. They're like, I can't come. This is the COVID. 
I'm feeling ill. I might have it. You want to stay away from me? Well, I'll tell you, even when everybody is vaccinated, I'm never going to a house party. You know, like I hated house parties before this. There's always that. I never understood why people have house parties. I never did either. Listen, I understood when we were in high school, right? Your parents went or somebody's parents went out of town. You raided their liquor cabinet. You didn't realize the damage you were doing? Oh, (laughs) you want damage. I'll tell you damage. Uh, There was uh, my buddy Piggy who uh, got me into comedy. Right, Nick, that's his nickname, not his real name. Um, we he got the nickname in grade eleven because we were reading Lord of the Flies, and then all of a sudden the description of Piggy comes out. You know, short, kind of chubby, asthmatic, thick fucking glasses. Like this was before they figured out that you can get, you know, prescriptions like thin. Like he literally had. Yeah, yeah. I used to have glasses like that. telescopes. You know, not even Coke bottles. I mean, we are talking. Oh, no, I didn't have them that bad. But I had some that on the side, they would even tell me, they go, do you realize why we can't find, like, we can't make that pair for you? And she's showing me the side. She goes, look at how thick these fucking glasses are. <laughs> but I don't even have that crazy of prescription. It's like a minus three and a half. But it's some, because of my eyes, some. Uh, is it like a is reversal it? thing? Stigmatism or yeah. whatever the fuck. So I'm reading glasses. Oh, that's simple. Interesting. I never had any issues uh, with my eyes except for when a match broke off and flew into my eye, my left eye. Yeah. I scratched my cornea once. By scratching it? No, just uh, I don't know how. And then uh, I had to wear an eye patch for three days. That's funny, though. Yeah, it was hilarious because it was just before I went to Afghanistan and I was doing uh, interviews. And of course, I had to wear the patch and I was doing one on television and my instantly, as soon as I finished, my, my phone rang and it was my grandmother. Who was like, what, you're a pirate now? Yeah, dude. You know? She's like, <laughs> she thought it was uh, a gag. She, yeah, she goes, what, you can't just wear like a funny shirt or a hat? You had to wear an eye. Like, what, what's wrong with you? And I had to be like, bah, I, I, I fucked up my eye. There's a real problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly what my family thinks. Look at this idiot. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> you know? Because you just said pirate and we were talking about stuff that's not going to exist. Years ago, my buddy Alex, he thought he had bed bugs. In the house, so he threw out a mattress one day because all these rat- he threw out his mattress in the middle of the winter. It was cold. He was freaking out. They they fumigated the house. Turned out that he had a skin condition, so he went to the dermatologist. And the first thing they go is like, yeah, looks like you have scurvy. And then yeah, and then he came. He's like, they told me I have scurvy. I gotta take his medication. And we're like, scurvy? How did that's a pirate disease? Like, how did they even were they asking you like, were you been on have you been on ships lately? Were you looking for treasure? Like, how did they narrow that down? You have a friend named Smee. Yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. He's like, were you looting the Caribbean? Like, how did they even? He's like, and then it turned out that diagnosis was wrong. He had just had a case of eczema, so he was putting the wrong cream on for oh, months. Shit. First of all, wasn't Dude. scurvy eradicated when people realized that all you needed to do was suck on a lemon? It is absurd. <laughs> scurvy, right. scurvy, and we're all sitting together and like. That's a pirate disease. There's no way that's real. That's what he said. Scurvy. And we're trying to explain to him. That's like a gangrene pirate type of thing. Like yeah. you can't, it's, you can't have scurvy. And they were giving him the wrong stuff. For then he went to another guy, and he had to put this cream on his entire body and just sit there for a bit. God and damn, yeah. that's that was, a horrible doctor. Yeah, in the twentieth or twenty first century. Scurvy. scurvy. I still remember. Like, is he fucking with? What did he ask you? Have you been on any ships lately? <laughs> I still remember that. It's just the laughter. But not even a ship. Like, we're, are you exploring? Yeah. Like, why would he even come up with scurvy? But uh, so these are things like that come back to haunt us. You know what I mean? Like scurvy, yeah. we thought was over. But this COVID thing, I think we'll re- we'll look back and be like, remember the panic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is. Uh, you know, I was somebody wrote an article about what it's like living through history. And I honestly thought about this. Personally, I mean, historically, I've lived through uh, 
not I mean I I witnessed the 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 Challenger blowing up live on television. Uh, for some odd reason, I didn't have school that day, and I was at my grandmother's. Perhaps you did have school and decided to skip and hang out with old grandmama. Maybe Bubby's still around, man. She's the coolest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tough. But we watched that happen live. So that there was that. Um, I remember the uh, assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. Oh, shit. Um, I remember Lockerbie when the plane got shot down. Um, 9-11, obviously. Oh, I remember 9-11. I, in fact, orchestrated it. <laughs> There's the theory. There's Somebody's going to cut that clip out. Like, we found him. <laughs> yeah. Now, you should wear an eye patch when you say that, and then they're like, Look, Bin Laden's not dead. Yeah, there he He's is. He's just <laughs> missing his left eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the pieces fit together. That's right. They never found, you know, they never really showed us where they dumped the body. They just said it was out to In sea. The ocean, yeah. You know, we never saw a picture of him dead because they said it was too graphic. So. Yeah, isn't it? That's so weird that we drew, we draw weird lines. Like with yeah. Bin Laden, they drew a line, but with Saddam Hussein, CNN showed him getting hung. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, very... And yeah. the team that... Supposedly, SEAL Team Six. SEAL Team Six. Yeah, was uh, their helicopter was uh, blew up. Yes. Like, oh yeah, somewhere yeah. else. They were somewhere else, right on another mission, and they all died. Yeah, I think it was a rocket launch. The the, the helicopter, Fuck. a missile hit the helicopter or something. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy life, though, man. If you're going overseas and you're fighting terrorists and shit, I've watched it. It's gonna close. go awry. Yeah, really. Oh, you went for troops shows, right? Yeah. Shows for the troops. You went to Afghanistan twice. Um, my first one was Rwanda. How's that? In 1994, right at the height of everything, um, I was. That was a genocide. Yeah, yeah. and I, honestly, I had um, I was young. I was 23 or 24 at the time. I really, you know, you heard stories about, you know, the the massacres of, you know, and I remember at, right at the beginning there was a story of uh, three Quebec nuns who were running a convent there that were you know they they got looted and they slaughtered the, the nuns and stuff Jesus Christ. and it turns out six months later that convent was turned into a r&r station for the soldiers and that's where we stayed that's gotta be creepy now never felt safer but also you know as a young man that that's why i have the respect for the military that i do now and their veterans and everybody who served and when i say everybody because they Forget about dead nuns like this. That's right. <laughs> That's right. They they got up. No, but yeah. seriously, no, no, yeah. Know, to to go overseas and to do what they did. But when I say the veterans and the people serving, I also include their families, because what people forget is when they left someone mom at and home, dad yeah. go out. You know, you know whether it's your mom or your dad that is going, whether it's to the base here in Canada or you're serving overseas. People are, you know, your kids are back home. Your spouse is back home. Yeah, and time doesn't stop. No, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, one of the most incredible moments in Afghanistan was um, we met these uh, this group, you know, of Canadian soldiers that don't exist. Let's put it mm. that way. I gotcha. And one of the guys was one of the biggest. He was like six foot seven, you know, just pure muscle. And I that's was what saying, we need in the military. And I was like. Uh, he doesn't say much, that guy. And one of the gentlemen said, well, we call him God. And I was like, okay, why? He's our sniper, and he decides who lives and who dies. 
God damn. Yeah. That's so I, well, I was like, well, yeah. I guess I'm not going to pull a practical joke on that guy. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm going to leave God alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, God, later on that evening, opens up the laptop, and he's got his two kids back home, and he's singing them lullabies. And that, to me, was just... You talk about what goes on in somebody's head. Yeah. How do you go from being God and then you all switch you can it off, do yeah. is just be dad. dad? And I thought, that's why these men and women are heroes. Because he, they have the ability to turn it on and off. I mean, comedians do too. Yeah. Right? I mean, but we're then, not sitting here popping out punchlines every two minutes because we're not douchebags. Yeah. You know? like but, but them, you know what the difference is? Like, we don't really, like, we don't really, I mean, we don't fear for our lives. No. Them, the thing is, what sucks, I've thought about this before, is not only are you going somewhere normally, you're stationed wherever they tell you you're stationed. So you can go in a territory where you want to do good, but everyone, the locals hate you. Off the bat, they don't know you, but they already hate you. And then on top of that, sometimes you might not even agree with what you're doing where you're going, but you're like, well, I can't. That's you can't only have every dissidents. corporate gig I've done in Cornwall. But Yeah, where it's dangerous. But you're like, I also can't start fucking mutiny. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? I got to listen. That's how this is going to work, right? That's why, that's how it works <laughs> for everyone. So sometimes you're doing something for the greater good that you're not even happy about directly. That must suck. And then you, your family's far away and you're like, I got to do this. That must suck. That's yep. what I think about sometimes. It's just being somewhere where you're forced out of your home. You don't want to be there. You know, you're like, fuck, I wish I was stationed somewhere else. These people hate me. Well, I'm hoping, you know, like with all the places that I've been to, and some of them are nice, you know, like Rwanda, honestly, Kigali, um, you know, I've looked it up since, and it's it's thriving now. Dude. But even back then, in the middle of a civil war, I mean, you knew that it must have been beautiful. Like where we were, there was a... Va there, Still is a valley, I'm, I'm assuming, unless they filled it up with them. No, them you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they have uh, Mayor Valerie Plant over in Kigali, and it's just full of condos and bike paths. We now. need more bike paths. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> can I just say, honestly, totally off topic, but have you seen, and I know bikers, yeah. okay? like cyclists, not bikers, bikers. Like, I, I know bikers. <laughs> I, I know bikers, too. Let's not talk about <laughs> that. But um, have you ever seen or heard a cyclist admit that they were wrong? Never. Not only never, I'm glad you bring this up, not only never, but sometimes in the act of driving when they fuck around and you call them out, they yell at you. Even yeah. when you've caught yeah. them red-handed, they still tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. Now, and listen, like I said, I know people that are avid cyclists. I have friends, you know, that that's their thing now. I yeah. go golf, you know, as we come closer. And they to, cycle. Yeah. You know, like as we get closer to 50, you have to find what's good for you. Yeah. I like walking down a fairway, chasing a ball that I, I may wish or may I not golf. find while smoking marijuana. Because you're outdoors and you're supposed to enjoy all of nature. You motherfucker, you've described it to me so every time you describe it, no, for real, you're because yeah. it's addiction with golf. It sounds like the best thing ever. I and it sounds like something I should be doing, but I don't like golfing. Like I I, I suck. And I'll tell you why. Because there are people that, listen, I enjoy golf, and I've always been competitive. I may not look like an athlete, but I was a decent athlete when I was younger. You yeah. know, played uh, baseball up into a certain level, and then discovered comedy and marijuana. Oh, unbeatable combination. You know, and then you're like, yeah, baseball's good, but uh, boy, funny is better. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, um, it's funny. Funny gets you laid more often than baseball. <laughs> Yeah, well, when I was playing ball, I mean... Oh, know. that's different if you're... Yeah, you were on a team? 
Yeah. Eh. You know, but you know, I wouldn't change, you know, you bring up teamwork and, and comedy. I think people, the one question I always ask comedians, new comedians that yeah. I've never seen in the green room, you know, like other than, Hey, what do you do? Whatever. What, you ever play a team sport? And if they say no, I stay away from this person. Oh, fuck. That's a good observation. Because if, if somebody hasn't played a team sport, and even if it's like in high school, you're on a badminton team, okay? You're competing. Even if you were part of a golf team yeah. where you go out individually, but, you know, you have to play for a team, you, you know, uh, a cumulative score. If nobody has ever felt what it's like to be part of a team and understand what it's, how important it is to, like you brought up the greater good. Yeah. That is a term that when, I don't know how many people have heard in a long time. You know, like somebody said to me, they found out that I did a, a benefit this summer for a charity and I said I didn't charge them. Usually I do charge. But this particular charity was uh, a shelter for women who have been abused, whether it's physically, verbally, they found themselves homeless, you know, addicted to booze. Or Say drugs, what you want, bro, but try proving it. You know? <laughs> and then they put them in a house. And Is they, this the same one that we had done? We did this one. Oh, they're good people. Exactly. Yeah. On, it's called On Our Own. Yeah, yeah they're good it's people. Fantastic. Yeah. So this year, because of we couldn't do it at Club Soda, and it was a, a shit show. Uh, we did it at the drive-in. And I said, uh, look, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't want to get paid. And I actually convinced the other comics, you know, we're going to give you like 150 bucks in gift certificates at restaurants and for whatever. Let and, them keep all the and earnings. And they were yeah. like, I'm good with this. So yeah. everybody who, like Corber, uh, Rodney Ramsey, Amanda McQueen, and Harrison Weinrib, they all agreed. Yeah, all people that I would not think twice that they would think anything else of that, yeah. And they're hilarious. Yeah. But somebody found out, a comic who was not on the show, and obviously wanted to be on the show, and emailed and then found out, and I said, well, and I was honest. I said, I don't think that you were good enough for the show. I think you're pretty new and whatever. Yeah. And then they were like, well, I could have used the money. And I go, well, we, there was no money. We worked for free. Yeah. And then I'm not on Facebook, but apparently there's a comedian page. I, of Montreal, I left that a long time ago because it was just toxic. Right. So I don't know about the, I'm not on Facebook because uh, I left when I was on radio because I was getting enough hate mail you know, at the radio station, mostly because people just, especially this one guy, I love this guy. He didn't like uh, women. He didn't like Jews. And he would listen to CJD. I don't no, know. No, I would never listen to CJD. That's bullshit. That's the part of that. That's not true. You know what I mean? Like, but here's the thing. If you listen to CJD, it's just it's, women and Jews. Yeah, I was about to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what is this guy doing? So, hey, that, so he was sending you messages yeah, and shit? Yeah, I love these people. Again, I have no time for those people. For Facebook, I have my my personal account that I never use. I have it there because I have my family and it's right. that, you know messenger. And then I have the the you know the Pentel's comedy page where I'll post updates. And whenever I get, which is a lot, I'll show you some stuff later. A lot because there's certain videos that explode. Like even that little David Ike clip, it's like almost at a million views on uh, really? on Facebook. Yeah, so you get people telling you to go fuck yourself. But back in the day, I'd get upset or whatever. Now, when there's something hilarious, I'll sit with him or, or Mike or whatever, we'll look, I'll be like, look at this fucking thing, this yeah. is fucking yeah. amazing. Like, I stopped giving a shit because when I used to engage, 
it doesn't end because now you're engaging with someone's like, oh shit, I got his attention. Yeah, and then also once you engage, it uh, it frustrates you. Yeah, it brings you down. You know? So now we laugh, but yeah. most of it I don't even see. That's the crazy thing. Sometimes I'll see something months later, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice. Someone's like, did you see this comment? Like, I didn't even because I'll notice in the beginning when I upload something, I'll, the first few comments or whatever, and then after that, whatever fucking happens, happens. Yeah. Like I like I could care less. I'm working on other shit. I always tell the new comics, you know that post a lot of videos yeah i said uh i've learned two things you know through my career one is you know it's basic don't read the comments and if you do read the comments don't engage two the reason you don't read the comments and you don't engage is you have to realize and this took me a long time to realize not everybody's gonna like you yeah you know not i'm not everybody's cup of tea yeah. Not everybody likes me for how I talk, how I sound, what I talk about, uh, whatever reason. Some people think I'm ugly. Great. If that's why you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. Is the <laughs> you know what I mean? You're fucked, bro. You're fucked beside him. You're you know what I mean? Oh, I'm ruined. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, if, if people want to be that way, that's fine. Yeah. I don't need that toxic kind of mentality invading my life. The cutting out toxic people, and I, I use it, I've said on many podcasts, I've done it with my own friend circle. Me too. Like, it's so small now, it's so limited, because I was like, I don't need this. Like, I would think about it. But like, I have this person around. It's always negative. You can't do this. You can't do this. I can literally tell you where I'm sitting right now, the stuff that I've done up until now. I know people that I grew up with that were telling me before these were just ideas. You're wasting your time. It's never going to happen. That's fucking stupid. Just negative, negative shit. How many times? Oh, if I had let that come in. Sure. I'd be a dishwasher right now. My favorite is, uh, you know, when I started doing stand-up and I was young, you know, I was 17 and then I, you know, I dropped out of school and I was delivering pizza and then I started working daytimes for uh, my uncle and the family business. I was a watch salesman. Huh? Need a watch? That was me. Yeah. Um, but I don't even remember what I was talking about now. Oh, just well, listening to the negative people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, negative, yeah. Fuck. I mean, all my friends would be like, so you going to do this? The rest, my family was very cool. Mom and dad were very supportive, you know? Yeah, my mom too. Very supportive. My uncle, who I work for, you know, when I started getting booked on the road, he would be like, where are you going this weekend? I said, oh, it, Sudbury. They'd be excited. He'd be like, cool. You know what? Do me a favor. We have a client up there. If you could, he goes, take the, the company car, drive up there. But, you know, you're there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If you can, on this day, just go see this client. See what we can do. Great. So, yeah. you know, I had that support. But I had friends, you know, that'd be like, so uh, when's this hobby? When are you going to give up this hobby? Yeah. And these are the first fucking cocksuckers that call you up when you have a, a TV taping and yep. be like, hey, man, how about some free tickets? And you're like, hey, remember when you told me that I should call your fucking cousin because he's got a job doing Jip Rock? Fuck you. Pay for the tickets. Whereas, like you said, there are still people, like my friend Piggy from day one, supported me no matter what. You have a lot of friends that were just... You know just... what I mean? Like, he never crapped on it. You know, he would always call me... Like, he was, at, he was one of the f two people that were at the first time I ever performed. Well, I lost the bet to him, so I had to show him that I did stand-up. I think you were there the first time performed at the Comedy Nest. At the Comedy Nest? At the Comedy Nest with Legacy. He brought you. I didn't know you, though. He brought you. Don't you, you had your little I car. I think so. Yeah, You yeah, had yeah. a smaller car, yeah. Because you had given us a lift after, I think. I think it was a Honda Civic. Yeah, you had a small Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so he was there. He Unknowing, we weren't friends at yeah. the time. 
But that's what I mean. I mean, Piggy and a, a girl that I was dating at the time, they were the only two people I told. I hadn't even told my, my parents at that point. Um, and then, you know, that ended. And I just thought, one and done. Yeah. You know, I was like, Same with me, yeah. You know, Pig, I lost the bet. You know, I'm, I'm really bad at pool. <laughs> that was the game. Because DJ McCarthy and Rick Bronson, and I again, we had been going to watch comedy since we were 15, so I knew them. And Rick's younger brother, uh, I played hockey on the same team. Okay. So it was funny because we would go over to his house sometimes after hockey games, and Rick was two or three years older than us and was a, an amateur uh, magician at the time. So we'd all be sitting downstairs, and his mom, you know, made these wonderful sandwiches and cookies, and we'd all be downstairs, and then Rick would come down and show us some horrible fucking magic trick, and you're like, I hate magic. Go away. You ruined magic yeah. for me. Mike Wilmot, Uncle Mikey, said uh, to David Acker one day, he goes, uh, I don't know how you do that magic trick. Does uh, Bronson know how to do it? He goes, yeah, well, I'll figure it out. You know, he goes, I'll just ask uh, Bronson to do funny. it. I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, but Rick was super. Uh, you know, you talk about people who were in the business that were supportive. Rick was a known name in Montreal, one of those legends now living yeah. out west, and owns a very successful chain of clubs. But Rick was incredibly supportive to me. You know, where... Yeah, he knew I knew his brother, but when I showed up at the club, he kind of made me feel more welcome. He was like, hey, this is Joe, everybody, you know, he's doing his first thing. So I did my first thing, disappeared for a while, came back, and then DJ, who was the booker, was like, where have you been? You know, you didn't leave us a contact number, nothing. And I was like, well, I'm, you know, 17 years old. It was summer. I went and worked at a summer camp because I just wanted to. I was a swim instructor that summer, so I just, I was Baywatch. I was hanging out. You know, I was just getting paid to sit on a dock and make sure kids don't drown. Working I on fucked my, up twice, but you know, you know uh, it happens. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations now, but this yeah. was, uh, I was drunk every day. I'm not joking. Free Luckily, swim, everyone survived. Free God swim, then. free swim. I would sit in the lifeguard chair and I would have a, a little Gatorade bottle and it was half vodka all the time. That's fucking that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Nobody ever drowned. I that's it. Had, that's the victory. I actually, uh, I will share this story too. There was one day I had um, like a, a free period or whatever. Like I didn't teach a class. So I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to the guys in the water skiing uh, boat. And I'm going to go smoke a joint in the boat while the kids are skiing. Nobody's on. Nobody's <laughs> wiser. Guys are cool with that. So here I am. Just puffing away like i can get fired at camp if i'm smoking let alone. yeah no shit but yeah. back then it was a different time yeah like it wasn't legal. doctors used to smoke no but it wasn't <laughs> legal to have weed back no then, not right? weed yeah, yeah so i'm in the boat i'm just kind of taking a couple of hits from like the uh pinner that i rolled and if some kid fell they were supposed to wave to let you know that he was okay oh the kid fucking wipes out no arm up we're like oh wave wave no the ski, actually, when he fell, came up, popped him in the back of the head, knocked him out. Oh, fuck. So here's Stone Joey, and I have to jump in now, and we had to do the roll. And somehow, I'll tell you something about marijuana. And I'm not, again, I'm not an expert by any means. But for somebody who has anxiety and ADD, if you do your research... Like, I'm not talking about just going into a weed store and being like, hey, I have some anxiety. What's good? 
Yeah, and then you have the idiot behind the counter who's like, I don't fucking know. The guy's like, <laughs> CBD? Yeah. You know, and he'll just going to upsell you on the most expensive thing. Do your research because there are strains that, um, depending on what your symptoms are and how they come out, you know, like for me, my anxiety, when I feel really anxious, um, I don't have the fight or flight. I have fight. So if I'm in a situation that, especially let's say it's a crowded situation or whatever, and I got to get out of there, it's not, pardon me, can you let me through? It's, you know, mean Joe I'm Green. Coming. Mean get Joe Green, and I'm going for the QB. Get the fuck out of my yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, unfortunately, um, and it hasn't happened recently, but I have thrown a punch or two. When you're high? No, when I'm super anxious. Okay, okay, okay. And I don't have... My, you know, I'm not high. I haven't been able to take my extra meds or whatever. Oh, it's the anxiety that yeah. gets you so amped up. Yeah. So when sometimes the strain of, of marijuana, it, it doesn't get you super high and giddy. But what it does is it just calms you down enough that I guess the receptors or whatever don't allow the anxiety to flare up. So the only thing I'll say is that if you are you know, down and anxious or whatever, due diligence. Get the right one for you. You know, yeah. Sit on the internet, find, you know, uh, type in your thing, you know, what your symptoms are. Maybe you're having problems sleeping. You don't want to smoke it. There's other ways to take it. You're speaking to him right now. You know that, right? You're thinking about it right yeah, now. Right? Yeah, 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 I knew because he's been like that recently where anxious, he can't sleep. So I saw his eyes shift when you were talking about this. Yeah. So he's now he's like, okay, I got to yeah, do my research. You, you know, people don't want to smoke it. There's other ways. I mean, there's there's uh, pills, you know, uh, and, and you don't even have to get THC. I mean, you can get CBD, which still calms you down, but you don't get a high. Can you uh, insert it through the rectum? Because then he'd be... <laughs> I'm sure there is a... No, but I wouldn't mind smoking. But the thing is, I always refrain from smoking weed because I get very paranoid. He does get very paranoid. That's like, part of the strain. Yeah. Yeah. So there are strains where he won't be as paranoid. You're yeah. saying? I mean, I found a strain. Uh, it's literally called grapefruit. That's a good name. It's just grapefruit, and it's uh, a sativa. So it's supposed to bring out the creativity, and, and you know, it's not supposed to knock you out. Um, I got to tell you, I smoke a little bit of grapefruit. One, I'm writing a lot of material. Two, I do know that I will be able to for the next four or five hours. If need be, I can go to the grocery store. Because uh, now grocery stores, pharmacies, more than ever, freak me out because maybe I am, you know, overvigilant. But those arrows on the fucking floor have been there since March. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not suggestions <laughs> anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like having traffic lights. And oh, I've I see been, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay, okay, and okay. I've been guilty of it where I go down and I forget something and you're like, oh, fuck, it's right there. Yeah, right I'm not going to go all around. Don't go back. I do. Yeah, you go, You're going to go all around? I do go back. That or is I crazy. Now right. you're just spreading your goddamn coronavirus all over the place. <laughs> but I, I don't want to be that guy. You don't, yeah, yeah. You especially yeah, especially if you bitched at someone earlier. I don't they bitch, see you. I just stare. I give him the Maurice Richard. Uh, yeah. I literally just like I've been yelled at like uh, a Rockland. Yeah, but he goes. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Rockland. Yeah, he yeah. goes. He, but but he also 
he he goes the opposite way on purpose completely like a bull Sometimes. and just goes through people so that you're a different case what we're talking about yeah, here is like yeah. you're like all right i see the arrows whatever the fuck and then i forget me too i forget something. i'm gonna go back yeah. i'm not gonna go around get the fuck out sometimes of i'm just forget but sometimes i'm just so like i guess fed up yeah well that's and i'm like i don't give a fuck but then what happens is you fall another guy who's so fed up but he's trying to follow the rules and they just lose it yeah well that's the thing about everything now is everybody i don't know if it's just me everybody seems so wound up oh. and everybody seems like they're about to explode at everybody like we were talking yeah. about the cyclists yeah right i saw a cyclist about what late october driving down the middle of a road and he's on his cell so i guess he's a delivery guy and a car politely just you know gave him a little horn Beep. The guy stopped and punched the guy's hood. No. You see, that's the cyclist is going to fall on the wrong person one day and he, get killed. But this is what I'm saying. In normal times, I think the cyclist makes a, you know, he goes, oh, sorry, and moves yeah. over. But now everybody's so wound up, you know. Uh, again, you talk about people don't know if they're going to have a job or if the money or if This is what's or, scary. You know. And I keep saying this is scaring you when you don't know if you're going to have the same job you have now. If Two weeks from now, you're still going to be around. It's super scary because then every, every fear that you have turns true. And you're like, oh, fuck, am I going to put food on the table? Am I going to have rent next month? Am I this? Am I that? Am I that? All that gets compounded. And then the smallest thing, someone's like, oh, sir, sorry, we don't have any bags left. What the fuck do you mean you don't have any bags left? That's and then right. they explode. But really, it was a combination or of months of uncertainty. Uh, 10 cents for a bag, you lose your shit. I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, my grandmother who survived the war, um, you know, when she was uh, at her uh, house, you know, before we sold it, she had a room in the basement that we called the war room. And it was a room that had a bathroom and a shower in it. It had a sink and a working stove and oven. But she had a plethora of canned foods. Just in case. And a deep freezer. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. And when everybody started hoarding, I didn't go out for toilet paper or all that. Well, for no, some odd reason, that little war room came to mind and i went i got mac and cheese i got cans of tuna just in case everything that my grandmother had in that room i bought so if anybody needs uh canned corn i have so much but i don't think we have to worry about that because with what's happening now with this type of virus factories all, they could still run right our food supply chain isn't yeah. isn't uh broken. i just didn't want to go out at all in the beginning, I was scared. In the beginning, I was super, super yeah, scared. At the beginning, literally, I was, uh, you know, even the global. We didn't film, you know, uh, anywhere. We went to the station. And again, I, you know, all precautions had to be taken, you know, tests and shit and made sure. Go into the station. I would use the green screen sometimes. Other times, you know, God bless my cameraman. He would make a hallway look cool by lighting it up a certain way or whatever. But, um, yeah, so now we're at the opposite end. We haven't filmed indoors since, like, April because everything's closed. And sometimes, and like, even if you, I want to go to a mall, like if I wanted to film inside Rockland, yeah, we can't just walk in. We have to get permission, yeah. you know. Um, so there's a lot of, and stores at this point, they're like, yeah, what, what do you want me to, you know, we go in. Hey, can we uh, film in here? For what? 
to, to show people that I haven't sold. Like, one guy was so, like, seriously, you want to do a story? Show them how I didn't sell a fucking shirt all week. Yeah, it's uh, fucked up. You know? Yeah. Wait, that, speaking of that, yeah. it's just you and your producer that go out, right? Mm-hmm. The show. Have you ever thought of taking the show and just going independently online? Um, I want, I filmed one segment. Well, here, here's the interesting thing. So it's just um, the way it came about was uh, somebody asked me, you know, from Global if I was interested in doing something. I said yes. Uh, the woman in charge over there, she took a chance. She had to convince Global National. Um, to take a chance on you? To take a chance on the segment. Because at okay. the time they were like, you know, we're not spending any more money, this, that. So she really went out on a limb for me. Um, and that is fantastic. So Nationals picked it up a couple of times. So there is um, a hope that in the new year, um, once the news cycle gets away from, you know, Ontario didn't do this, yeah, and Alberta yeah. didn't do that, and whatever, uh, there is a hope that maybe it goes national. And, um, you know, we've talked about this numerous times about podcasts and stuff. That's why I'm bringing it up. So... The good news is, is that I've actually moved my ass a little bit with the help of uh, another gentleman who is now kind of looking after me and pushing me, a young gentleman with a lot of energy, uh, David Trentadue. Okay. And um, it's nice. I mean, I realize now that I needed a little bit of a, a kick in the ass. Sometimes we all do. You know, and, and Dave's, you know, I'm not making fun of his height, but he's the perfect height to headbutt me in my bum. He's a little man. Yeah, so I don't want to piss him off, but he he does motivate me. Okay. So I've I, I I have an idea, and the thing is, is that I want to make sure that everything is proper and in a row, and I kind of want to hammer out like five or six at once. So uh, I don't want to give away too much, but we have three guests that have confirmed that they would do it. I'm waiting for three more. So okay. once we get, I, I put out twelve. Uh, and I aimed high. I'm not going to lie. Okay, good. I well, that's how high. you should aim, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to bullshit. I PR'd, uh, I, I emailed the uh, President Obama's PR people because I read his book. It, it is it's not a bad move. You, it, you know, I read his book. He's doing the PR tour. Um, and by the way, if you want to be motivated, read yeah. that book, A Promised Land. And because you read it and you hear his voice. You know, and it's like... I'm I don't need anybody else up in this fucking head. There's too many people in here already. I'll tell you, though. I need... Like, if Obama did that, and I'm sure it's out there as an audio book. For sure, yeah. You know, I don't know if he's reading it, though. 700 pages. I don't know if he's reading you know? it. Oh, fuck. I would pay to him. Because he... Like, I hear his voice, and I'm just... You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's just a great motivational speaker. Whether you liked him as a president or not, politics not. So you read it, you didn't have the audiobook. Yeah, I read it. I've been so big on audiobooks because it saves me time, I'm doing other stuff. But I, like I said, when I was on the road yeah. uh, last week, um, n- nothing's really open. Yeah, you what know, are you like, going to do? I mean, yes, Kingston, you were allowed to go into restaurants. Is it still open right now? Kingston's still yeah, open? Kingston and Ottawa are still open because they're not as bad as Toronto and, and stuff. And I, I was talking to friends in uh, Sudbury and North Bay, and everything's open there too because they don't have big uh, like a high number of cases. How many people are allowed in like the comedy club? Do they have restrictions? Yeah, it's 50 max again. So it wouldn't be worth it for me to put on a show and go down there? No. Okay. But the good thing is, though, Again, and with all this bullshit 
of restaurants and bars were behind the spike in numbers. There's no proof of that. Bullshit. They've been closed since, what, September, and now everywhere, okay, they're fucking ballooning. The numbers are ballooning. Well, yeah, schools. These kids are licking handrails. What are you talking about? Of course. I, I'm telling you, the premier read uh, Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal right before this pandemic. I don't know if you know that story. No, no, explain. So, during the, the potato famine, Jonathan Swift wrote a, a satirical piece called A Modest Proposal, and it was, um, we should cook the kids. <laughs> and he, you know, like, they're not, they're, they're a burden on us and, and this. So, and he actually made recipes. Like oh, he shit. He recipes. So, All right, look, I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. Keep going, you know, bro. so basically I think that uh, the premier was like, you know what, I'm going this route. I'm going the route of a modest proposal. Fuck the kids. You know? <laughs> well, because I was shocked when it first happened when they were saying, uh, look, we're going to shut down the bars, but we're going to open the schools. I was like, this doesn't, none of this adds up because the bars were taking every precaution. They were adults. And I remember being at the Bordeaux. I remember doing shows. I remember the plexiglass people being, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sit the fuck down. You're going to get up when I fucking tell you to get That's up. Right. Like, everyone was following the rules to continue, and, you know, there was no spread in the club. And then when they were like, yeah, we're just going to open the schools to kids. And I go, high school and elementary. That's the school. worst kids to do it. Malls? Like, so, literally, I walked by a Canadian tire the other day, and even with all the restrictions... They're saying 350 people max in the store. <laughs> that's a lot of people, bro. That's a hell. That's a party, man. That's yeah. a that's a that's a small concert. Well, I was saying when they said now Christmas is canceled, you can't be with your family, you can't bring your grandmother over. However, I was telling people there's a strategy. Just have your party at the mall. You and yeah. 700 strangers. That's legal. That's yeah. fine. Well, now they're now you're allowed if you live alone to go over to another house. Mm. Huh? Isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah. It's this is fucking absurd. I mean, I get it that they have to do this because there's been idiots to throw parties, you know, or weddings or whatever. I mean, look, funerals. I went to a funeral a few months ago, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had to have 25 people on a list before you got into the cemetery. It was crazy, yeah. You know, uh, it was on Zoom. Oh, that's the funeral. It was closed casket, everything. There was people distant. It was, uh, yeah, 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 all kinds of rules, which yeah. I guess makes sense when they're like if you want to stay open these are the limitations people are like look man i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i have to to stay open but funeral homes made a shit ton of money not just because people are dying uh but i didn't i found out because of when went my uncle but apparently they get paid more for funerals of covid cases well they there's i didn't know this but i found out the hard way i guess because they have to take more precautions yeah. or whatever but they have to dispose of the body not dispose pardon me the way they um when the, the hospital releases the body to, I guess, the funeral parlor or whoever's in charge, they have to take all these precautions. And somebody even told me that when they put the body in the casket, even that is different because of, God forbid... Uh, A leak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what they, she... Uh, I was told that they wouldn't open it up the casket for minimum 100 years or some shit like that like there was some, what yeah but then i was like well why would you open it up earlier in general but whatever i was just i always joke yeah, i mean but hold but on doesn't also the virus die after a while once it sits we don't know they don't know the, this virus there's all kinds of theories about it right yeah. well they just found a mutation of it right in the uk well i already said it was so here's the thing the problem with me being an idiot is that i can't explain certain things so yeah. i don't understand 
Like, I'll, I'll tell you how to fucking start a podcast, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about vaccinations. So my question was always like, okay, we're going to get vaccinated. Like, how can it end when everything always mutates, right? So by the time everyone gets vaccinated, the second round of this, how it affected the already vaccinated people, whatever's going to come out, mutate, go Isn't this a losing game? Well, they said it's not going to be eradicated. It's going yeah. to be controlled. How, though? If it keeps mutating, it's going to, the raw mutation hits well hopefully it's just every hundred years you know i mean listen i know i I mean we run into conspiracy theorists all the time i say we because it's uh my camera guy david and i when we're we're out doing the global yeah people as soon as they see you know global news and i'm sure this happens to people over at ctv and rdi and anybody you know and it's never the people that you think oh god let's get the fuck out of here before they talk to us you know what do they tell you there was a guy who gave us his card. He's a lawyer. And he, if ever you want to sue Global for sexual harassment, I'm your guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he smacks in the ass. <laughs> Get going, Tuts. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he literally went over to David and he says, uh, so, because he said, I don't think you guys are covering the story. As soon as I hear that, what I, go, story? I go in the back now and I light up. I'm having a cigarette. I can't be bothered. My camera guy, on the other hand, he loves poking the bear, you know? Mm. So this fucking numbnut starts going, you guys aren't covering the story. It's all about Bill Gates and blah, blah, oh, blah, God. because 10 years ago he predicted that there was going to be another, uh, he created it. And then he goes off on another thing, and then David, my camera guy, goes, well, uh, don't forget the Masons. Yeah, the fucking Masons! You know? <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And He's like, like, look, you've been talking for an hour and you have yet to mention the Jews. He's like, oh! <laughs> Oh, I got a next one for you. Yeah. And that's, uh, he's like, well, we're not allowed to. My host is a Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to mention that. He writes it. So, yeah. But when I get, I, I remember a guy on our, one of our live streams was yelling at me because I'm the media and I should be covering certain stuff better. And I go, I'm not the, I'm a comedian. Like how, if I'm the one who's going to uncover the truth, we're all fucked. It was probably my father. Your father once also sent me that email. Yeah. Because he has been hounding me nonstop. You gotta expose them. Yeah, his father sent me an email about the five G and all that. Uh, about the five G and all kinds of stuff. And I knew this was so funny, dude. You're gonna die. <laughs> so this happened the summer. I get the email. I'm looking at it. I call him right away. I go, "I think your father emailed me." He's like, "Ha ha no, ha!" No, tell wh- me the wh- email. I remember, he called me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I so he goes. Uh, <laughs> when I was ambitious. wondering, yeah, he, he was ambitious because when I tell him, he's like, "Yeah, my dad called me and said that I sent him an email," and and, and he goes, "How do you, how could he know if it was me or not?" And I told him, dude, I could tell it was your father, not just the broken English, but his name, he just switched his last name, but his first name was the same. So my assumption of who, it's like you, like I know it's Joey Elias, he's trying to fuck with me, but your first name is Joey, an email, signed Joey. It's like, yeah, of course, I thought it was Joey in the first place. So he still had Gus and he made up a fake name. And I'm like, this fucking, this is absurd to me. And it was all, you guys got to, we got to start a new podcast. You guys got to cover the 5G towers. You got to cover this, cover that. And I was like, what's the craziest conspiracy thing you've heard so far about covid well the craziest one i would say because i've done my research and i've from what i've uncovered from the research it's a hundred percent something that came out of wuhan but it wasn't on purpose people said the biggest conspiracy was it was done on purpose it was not done on Mm. purpose but everything points to that one lab that had the strain since november they were running tests on accidentally this one fucking idiot who apparently twice before once he let a bat uh, bite him by mistake and they had to quarantine him how do you let a bat bite yourself by accident and, and bites pit. are usually very 
peaceful and pee on him. Bats, I mean, and and I think peed on him too. So apparently, the, I'm blaming this one guy because he sounds like butterfingers. Mm-hmm. Like everything you this fucking idiot. Like really, why do you still have him around? But anyway, so I got loose. But the craziest theory I had heard was that it was five G towers causing it. But here's what fucked with me that I was so pissed off at the time. The places that were having the biggest outbreaks didn't have 5G towers installed at right. all. So I was like, what are you talking about? Like already there, the argument is is gone. And then they'd be like, so you're telling me you don't think 5G is dangerous? I don't know enough about 5G, but you can't start by telling me that it caused the coronavirus. And then if I tell you it didn't cause the coronavirus, that means that I'm saying, yeah, 5G towers are safer. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I know that Wi-Fi. They, I, I just know. found out recently that Wi-Fi is not good for us. Like, I, I know yeah. that uh, 5G is awesome. <laughs> for us health wise yeah. oh my god like when i'm streaming you know football yeah, on yeah. sundays it's it's phenomenal we're not even using real 5g did you know that wait till we get 5g it's supposed to be um evolutionary yeah it's it's uh it's the internet of things sorry yeah because it's it's instant so everything forget loading it doesn't exist anymore with real 5g no i need it's I, gonna change the world because you're gonna be able to have smart i want to wear a shirt that says buffering but dude, with real five G everywhere. No, but that for me, like people, like just like so, if someone's talking to me. I could just be like, hold on, I got this. You know, <laughs> so that the craziest thing is that is the five G towers because it didn't make sense. They we're getting it in places that don't have five G towers. So I was like, already there, your argument is over. But they would continue and they'd be like, are you working for the deep? Somebody wrote a comment that I work for the deep state, and they had misspelled that's deep. Insane. Do you remember that it was D E A P? And I was like, yeah, deep state. Yeah, that's why I work for. <laughs> well, goddamn. That's you, know. it. you. What have you? What's the craziest? Uh, the craziest thing is that um, Bill Gates, along with the Clinton Foundation, okay, hired people to create this virus. But you know why that's off? Not that. I, and again, I'm uh, people because they're gonna be like, "Do you trust these?" I, I don't fucking like the Clintons, but it doesn't make sense because in what we know, that was. Um, Disclosed when the Chinese uh, fucking uh, what is it president was killing everyone. Remember all the all the whistleblowers stuff they were off. Yeah. And the reason why they were disappearing is because what they were seeing was true. And they go, "We fucked up. It was from this lab. We let it go." So they've already told us how it happened. So why would you then have to attach a conspiracy when we know where where where, where it started? Well, everybody needs a conspiracy. Nine eleven. You still have the conspiracy theorists. Oh, uh, dude. Right. Listen, nine eleven about the conspiracy theorists. You, there's no way you've heard the worst because I, I personally believe that 9-11, 100% sure Dick Cheney could have avoided this whole fucking thing, could have avoided this whole fucking thing and did it on purpose to get in the Middle East. However, if you think that's a crazy conspiracy theory, you know what conspiracies are? His dad was convinced that it was always a CGI. Yes, I was about Dude, to say I that. wanted to flip the fucking... <laughs> you understand? I wanted to flip the fucking table, Joey. I'm just happy. Like, your dad sounds pretty cool, though. Like, he knows the CGI. No, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, if I said to my dad, who's in his 80s right now, CGI, he'd be like, can I buy a vowel? Like, he'd think that I'm giving him, like, the Wheel of Fortune shit over the phone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't know. But I thought it was a conspiracy because I was like, oh, this is, you know, I don't trust the government. I'm sure this motherfucker had his hand in allowing this shit to happen. There's too many... There's too many, you know, holes in it. And I thought I was borderline crazy. And then I hear, well, that didn't even happen. That was CGI. And I'm like, what in the <laughs> fuck is happening? I was the crazy one in this conversation. How did I turn into the smart yeah. guy? <laughs> well, that's the beauty about conspiracy theories is that, you know, you can become the smart person instantly. <laughs> yeah. Just somebody's like, I got this. Hold my beer. But I, I mean, there's conspiracy theories about everything, right? Yeah. Well, the one uh, that I've heard for the pandemic was that this was actually a bioweapon. It could have that, 
that is believable. But, it on, could have been, on. but here's the thing. It I could, just got started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I just got started. It, uh, well, I'll tell you why okay. it could have been, because we know that they were testing it in the lab. Why? Who the fuck knows? Bioweapon or what they said was it was uh, to learn from different uh, viruses, strains, so we could better have vaccines and shit like that. So they were doing it supposedly for a positive thing. Now, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to make a bioweapon. I, got, I don't fucking know. Can I just say, that sounds way better than uh, somebody ate fucking some sort of crazy bat fucking thing or that was oh yeah i remember the bat soup in the beginning right. yeah i mean yeah. that's so much better than you know well the bat soup we're idiots because in the beginning i was like holy fuck you get it from bat soup we're idiots for for buying into it because yeah. that bat soup thing that they talked about happened a few months after the first real cases came out yeah, so the, it, the thing, timeline didn't even make sense apparently everything does come from bats right it's yeah a bat scat um which is actually i know uh bats some, and pigs they share it. Right. What goes to the pigs? Exactly. Yeah, and I saw so that. now they're doing a whole study just on bat shit. Oh god, damn. To figure out why everything essentially comes from them. Like, Starting from because Batman Forever and right. then the rest <laughs> all that shit. Is that the worst one ever? Uh, that one and the one I, th I think Which the one, one was after. Batman Forever. Who was the Batman in that? Batman Forever was, that was Cl uh, Clooney? No, it was Val Kilmer. Okay. Yeah, Clooney was the one right after, I think. Where it was Batman and Robin with Mr. Freeze and oh, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was bad. Michael Keaton still. I love Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton because he's a Steeler fan. He is? I didn't know this. He's a Pittsburgh native. I I didn't know that he was a Steeler fan. You and know who else is a Steeler fan I found out? Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. yeah. Smart people. Fucking I high-fived. I was like, uh, that's good. But also, um, you know, uh, he did stand-up. Mm. He did. I, I, I watched uh, videos about him. Oh, did you watch the comedy store? Uh, there doc? you go. Yeah. yeah. Did it make you emotional that uh, that doc? Um, it made me emotional. You know why? Two scenes made me emotional. One was when was it Frank Castillo, one of the door guys there. He was getting. Uh, he they told him you're going to be a paid regular. That uh, just that moment of I worked with Frank. So just that I was like, yeah. fuck, I don't even know the guy. And that moment made me feel like, oh, bro, just that victory. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you, I worked with him. He was, uh, I don't remember where I was, but he was just coming through town. Super nice kid, eh? Just super. And by the way, everybody's a kid to me because I've been doing this for- He's a kid. He's a young guy, right? But there could be guys older than me starting off and they're kids because, you know, I've been doing this almost 30 years, mm. you know? Um, like I said, one of the OGs. You know? And um, yeah, he's, that doc was great. I yeah. like the fact that they, um, they didn't hold back on when they struggled. Yeah, you know when they when it was the downtime. I I really enjoyed the last two episodes, you know about uh, how Rogan really picked it up and saved it. I love the fact that they showed the whole battle between him and Mencia. Well, that's what led to him getting banned. It it you was, know, uh, but yeah. I think that's an important fact, you know, because there have been even in this city, you know this, there have been people. And when I say the term comic, the, the, the one thing about this pandemic, and this is where I may get a little serious, and here's where you're going to get all the fucking, you know, the comedy I'm waiting. people. When this started, and they called it the great equalizer, I really did think that this was going to kind of funnel those people that were on the fringe, you know, people that have been doing it almost as long as I have. And... When you got that first $2,000 Serb check in the 25 to 30 years that these people have done it, that's more money that they've, they've ever made. Then they've made it covered, yeah. So it empowered 
the people that should have gotten the fuck out of this business 15 years ago to say, yeah, I'm a comic now. Look, I'm making the same money as, as Joey and David and this and that. And the problem is, these are the people, and there's two of them especially in this city. I don't want to uh, name Oh, there's names. more than two, but... No, I don't want to name yeah, okay. names, but there's two particular. I've got a list here. <laughs> they are known joke thieves. Oh. We have spoken to them, and they still, you know, they're like, uh, were you there when I wrote it in my living room? Oh. I go, were you in the living room maybe listening to this clip? <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then funny. fucking transcribing it? You we're going to talk real. about this after. And you call them out. Because I got a guy in mind that I need to run by you. does fuck anything about. You know? And again, I don't, I'm not a big, it goes back to being a team player. Yeah. You don't air your public grievances. Right? Right. I'm yeah. not the guy to get on Twitter and be like, X is a fucking da-da-da. No, no, I hate it when they, and they do that though. They fucking do that over nothing. Right. I'll be the guy that emails you and say, hey, can we... Uh, of a chat yeah let's look can i buy you a coffee and go for a walk or whatever i've done that twice with these two different people both times they basically one guy told me to you know i'll consider it the other guy basically I'll consider said, i'll consider it stopping stop stealing jokes or just this one particular bit that i brought out um and then the other guy basically told me to go fuck myself Nice guy. And the reason I was doing it is because I really wanted to be with his wife and this and that. And I was like, are you an idiot? I just want integrity in my industry. Yeah. That's all. Maybe I am old school where... If the guy that you're saying right now is the guy that I'm thinking about, his wife is not exactly the person you'd be going after. <laughs> Might be thinking of two different people, but if that's, if that's the guy... Uh, you know, not exactly a looker. Uh, <laughs> if that's his fear, I don't think we're talking about the same person. Maybe not. I'll tell you after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what what can you do? You know, I mean, there are club owners that, yes, they know, and they don't book these people. Yeah. But there are other, you know, bookers and satellite rooms, and these guys end up on shows somehow, and then they eat a dick. They eat a giant fucking bowl of donkey dicks every time, and somehow people still book them. Well, book them. We don't have, we have one real English club. Yeah. And soon with the second stage, if it all restarts and the Bordel starts doing also English shows, we'll have two or one and a half. You know what I mean? The mm -hmm. rest are satellite rooms. And some of these satellite rooms, first I, did, I found out because a room had closed down and it was like a thing. Uh, and it wasn't the improv one. It was another one, but around there apparently. And I, I was like, I never heard of this room because I remember someone had put a Facebook thing and I was like, I, what is this? Oh, they had done comedy there and sketch. Like, I never heard of this place. And then someone was like, yeah, you were uh, banned from there. I was like, how am I banned from a place I've never heard of? Do you realize how funny that is? That is amazing. Why were you banned from there? I don't know. Probably the shit I talk about or, uh, yeah, oh, there's safe, the safe spaces. Room? There's one of the safe oh, rooms. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. And I was like, how was I banned? I don't even know who, I don't even know who runs it. Like, if you show me the person, I don't know who it is. Uh, I don't, I've never been there. Like, safe. yeah, but it's because it's a safe room or whatever. I was like, safe from what? Safe from comedy? Like, why would safe? I be banned? This That's is the one thing. Comedy and comedy club stages yeah. should be the the last place to say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. When people pay money and they go see Star Wars or Star Trek or one of these sci-fi movies, nobody ever comes out and says, that is such shit. You can't fire lasers in space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You never see this outrage. No. But if I say a 
one word that is a trigger, yeah. not to everybody, but to one person, that individual gets onto their social media and then they get their fucking army of outrage brigade losers to all pile on. And next thing you know, I have to justify why I said the wrong pronoun. Uh, you think it's even goes deeper than that because I've made the we had spoken about this a little while back where I was having trouble understanding why we're held. I don't know if it's to a different standard or what it is as as comics because they'll take stuff on stage that we I thought we have a contractual agreement. We understand that when a comedian is going on stage, he has one goal and that is to make you laugh. He'll say whatever he thinks in his head, whether it's warped or not, that is funny to him or her. Because they assume it'll be funny to you and we're all going to laugh together. Yeah, so what I never understood was if you go on stage and you make a joke about, let's say you make fun of pedophiles, you make fun of the Catholic Church, something like that, which I've done. Yeah. And people like And you, rightfully so. Yeah, and rightfully so. You And I'm like, what do you mean I can't make fun of pedophiles? Like, are are we defending pedophiles? No, no, it's just it brings up stuff you can't think. But they've never picketed a Kevin Bacon playing a pedophile. Like actors who get in the role of shitty people they don't get criticized. Like, how can you act like that? How can you be that? Never. You, how can you be a rapist? It's on, funny you bring that up. It's, because, it doesn't make sense. You know, my acting career is not at the point where I can turn down roles. Uh, me neither. <laughs> but uh, the one role I said that was offered to me once was uh, a pedophile. Dude. And I said, you. And I, said I can't do it. Uh, for, for the, one of the cop French shows here a few months ago, my agent said, I just want to know if you're comfortable. They wanted me to play a pedophile. Like, I have a juvenile pedophile ring. And I said... The first time French people are going to see me on a show here is playing a pedophile. I was like, mm, I don't fucking think so. She's yeah. like, okay, I just wanted to let you I go. I turn it down. And then people are like, why? It's acting. I was like, well, it's because they don't know me. So the first image they're going to have mm. of me is that. Yeah, so I turned it down. This was an American show. Okay, even better. And at the time, I mean, it was just, I was touring throughout the States and Canada and stuff. And I thought, much like you, I don't want somebody to come to a comedy club and be like, that's the fucking dude. That, yeah, people are idiots, yeah. You know, listen, when I thought, you know, when I left the library and day after tomorrow, every time it fucking turns to minus 20, I still get text messages from losers. Don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, buddy, I, I'm still here. I love yeah. dogs. I would never have let that dog not come on in. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Of course I would have let the dog in the home. It's a movie. Guy. Yeah, you know, it was in the script. Yeah, I didn't make you it know? up. Yeah. Do you think my character back then would have left the library when all they were doing was burning books and eating shit out of the vending machine? No. That fat security guard would have been like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to break into the... Yeah. I'll go find other candies. See ya. You know? But, but they yeah. hold us to this weird... I don't know what they want. I don't know what it... Like, you understand what you're getting in there. It's weird when someone goes to a comedy club and they have their arms crossed and they're ready to get mad. It's like, you. why did you come? Why did you yeah. waste your time? Yeah. Well, if I feel like some of these people write blogs yeah. or for a, you know, an online certain blog thingy or whatever magazine. And sometimes they're just looking yeah. for something, Content. you know, and that's the thing is with everybody, you know, having the phones and shit like that. That's why I think phones and comedy clubs should be banned. I'm with that. I'm with the leaving them in the front, like what Chappelle was doing for a sure, while, man. where he had those cases. I, I contacted those people, by the way, to get prices on them. And in the beginning, for a few phones, they weren't super reasonable. But when you get a lot of those cases, it became a bit more reasonable. But it's more for clubs, because I was thinking, oh, if I do a show, then the money doesn't make sense. But if it's a club where every night they're open, they have those cases in the front, it's actually, it makes sense. The money makes sense. Yeah, I mean... It's all, I mean, it's twofold. One, I don't need the, uh, you know, one person picking out 
just something so small and so minutia, you know? Like I said, I don't know what your trigger word is. Yeah, could be like, anything, yeah. Right, I don't know if you just went through, you know, a traumatic thing and you decided to come to the comedy club to have a laugh and you've been having a great time up until then, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, let's say, you know, I don't know, you had a fire in the house and you lost everything. Yeah. You know, and I'm talking about arson. I don't know that that's mm. going to trigger you, mm. you know? But but that's the thing that's weird. That's why people have to understand that it's not personal because, I, like you said, the arson, that could trigger. Let's say it triggers him, the arson, right? It's like, okay, so in the beginning, you were okay with the rape joke, correct? He's like, yeah, of course, that was really funny. But why the fire, man, that, that hits home. But you don't think it's possible that the rape joke could also hit home with someone? Like, it's mm -hmm. these, I, you religion? can't know. You really, oh, dude, when I talk about religion, dude, you always have these people after like, no, but for real though, you know, you shouldn't make fun of the Bible or you should it's like, guys, I'm, I'm just fucking around. It's just jokes. Yeah, yeah. I had people heckle. Jesus died for your sins. And I was like, I'm a Jew. So was he. Yeah. Oh man. They wanted to, I'm not joking. And another time they yelled at, uh, Matt Watson. We were just outside, uh, Petawawa doing a gig and he does a joke about how he grew up in a very religious household. Okay. You know, like his dad was a preacher and every Sunday and, and again, these, this couple stood up and were like, you can't make fun of the Lord and da, da, da. I just did. And then all I remember was being on stage after, and I can see that couple talking to Matt, like outside in the hallway. So I finished my set and whatever. And again, I don't remember the small town. It was probably about... 35 minutes away from Petawawa in Ontario. And I say to Matt, I go, uh, what's happening? He goes, uh, that couple wants us to go back and stay the night at their house. I said, are you fucking kidding? I said, this is how every criminal mind starts. Yeah, yeah. that is insane. <laughs> I hate you, sir. Let us convert you. Let us convert you. We're going to be dead. They're going to convert us into corpses. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But we were talking to them before we left. And, and they were like, you know, we were having a great time. And, 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 and we're like, so... Why would you just decide at that moment that the rest of the show was absolute shit? I said, I've gone to concerts, my favorite bands, and they decide to play the one song I don't like. Yeah. Do I go home? Fuck you, assholes. <laughs> yeah, no. no. That's when I, get, I say, I'm going to go get a beer. I'm going to go take a piss. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't be like, oh, my God, they played that one? I'm going home. Can't believe it. I'm getting my money back. Yeah, it's, I don't you know. know what it is. I don't know what it is. Is it entitlement in our day and age now where everyone's like, my opinion is absolute, you know? And all well, yeah, the. Because everybody's a Yelper. It, and, and this is all, sub, let's be honest, this is all subjective, right? That's the other thing that people forget. So I can never say that, first of all, one, like I'll understand for me, to me, one comic, let's say I'll listen to you, I'll be like, he's better for me than him. For me, subjectively. Sure. But I can't say objectively. This guy is going to be a better one than him for everyone because it's so nuanced what makes people laugh. I can't dictate what's going to make you laugh. But what I can tell you is my intention, personally, my intention, and I know you, your intention, every comic I've met, when they go on stage, real comics, their only intention is to make you laugh. Anything they say comes from a place where they think you're going to understand and you're going to laugh. No one goes on stage and be like, fuck these people. I'm going to ruin them a marriage. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to fuck with us for us to want to fuck with you. It yeah. never happens. We're all in there. Oh, this can be good. This is a good joke I've been writing. We're going to laugh. Sometimes it doesn't land. It yeah. doesn't. But our intention wasn't to fuck with you. Yeah. Our intention was. Yeah, our intention wasn't for that joke not to, to, to land. To bomb. Yeah, yeah, never. Do you think it might be a jealousy thing? 
Not with everyone. Some people get mad when they're. I've seen. That's I know what you're question, talking about. But I mean, the fact also that because because have you seen the wives or girlfriends laughing hard at your joke, and then the guy starts laughing and he's he's not noticed like it. that. Not like that. He's told me. I didn't know yeah. about it till he told me. He goes, "There was some funny stuff that was happening." He's like, "I because he people watches now because he comes to all the shows." Yeah. And one time he was talking about a couple. He goes, "Dude, the guy was having such a good time. He was so excited when you got on stage." He goes. But after a while, his girlfriend was laughing a little too loud and he would clench up and just fucking stare at her. <laughs> and then that made me laugh. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't yeah, even, yeah. I can't even see you. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the jealousy thing in the sense that like, cause stand up, I've noticed is really the only thing, the only art form that you can go up and literally say whatever you want. You know how, you know, with the intention of making people laugh. Do you think sometimes people feel like they, you know, in their household, let's say religion, right? They grew up in a religious household and they can't criticize that. You know, you, like, you, oh, you get I, it. I also, they're the mad that we're able to say what we want to say. Yeah, well, exactly, I was, but I they can't. Because um, we run into so, I run into so many people that tell me, oh, I can do comedy. You know, yeah. I'm funny at the office. Yeah, I hear that too. Um, so I was thinking maybe it was the people that, you know, wanted to do it, never got the opportunity to do it. There's that too. Them but for I sure. Mean, yeah, yeah, for know. sure, them. for sure. Um, but I mean, maybe like, they just didn't do it because time didn't allow it, confidence, the pressure. I mean, you know, I know people that have written great material and have been, you know, booked on on the open mic to do it for their first time, and then two days before, they're like, "I can't do it. I can't." You know, it's not for everyone, yeah, because it is an element of public speaking mm. and uh, and being creative and, and taking a leap of faith every time you go out there just because you know the jokes landed last night doesn't mean they're going to land tonight it's a whole yeah. new it's a whole new crowd it's a whole new day yeah. i'm in a different mood uh you know yesterday i felt great today you know i got a little bit of a headache whatever. less confident yeah. it all changes yeah. you know like the opening acts weren't as good tonight and or it's gonna be tougher you know like they're a little chattier um yeah but i mean i go in there with the uh the attitude of uh let's have fun and that's it, you know, like, let's spend the next 45 minutes to an hour together. Yeah. But just let's forget about everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the news is bullshit. Let me show you that we can laugh at the news. And, that, you know, to get back at the global thing, I think part of it when we started doing it and when I write them now is, is trying to not point out how foolish people are, but it's to point out that why can't we laugh at ourselves anymore? It's it's a lot of subtle. We're taking ourselves too seriously. I love the. I mean, we. You grew up. You, you were the generation before me, which is a generation I grew up with. That's why I'm a Steelers fan, by the way. Um, the ball busting was part of the culture then that doesn't exist now with kids growing up. That I can't imagine a world of me growing up without having that with me and my friends. Ball busting is it it's was family. just it's family. It was just mm -hmm. part of it. I'll tell you a great story of what family ball busting is. So like I said earlier, David John McCarthy was my, my mentor and my brother and everything. Everything. So when he passed away, um, you know, I, I still do. I keep in touch with his brother and his nephew. Yeah, and we had done a show once and you had brought his nephew and I met him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Matthew. And this is the greatest. So when I, I uh, my CJD comedy show days came to an end because of budget cuts, um, I get a text message from Matthew saying, uh, hey, man, uh, sorry to hear about the radio show. Let's go for breakfast one day. Uh, I guess I have to pay since you're not famous anymore. There we go. And that was the perfect, like, boom. 
it was from the heart. It was a dig that wasn't, it was supposed to be funny. Yeah. You know, and again, I laughed and realized the only person that can send that is family. Yeah. Someone that knows you, you can't have a stranger say that. Yeah. Mm. But that's what it is. Ball busting is, you know, call it whatever you want. Ball busting or teasing, ribbing, whatever. I mean, we did it hard, man. Dude, Back that's what I'm day, saying. We would, like, literally, as you would shake, you know, hands with the MC, you know, they'd whisper in your ear, don't fuck this up. You know what I mean? Just that little bit of, like, what the hell did you just say? Don't bomb. <laughs> oh, fuck, now bomb's in my head. You know, just little mind fucks yeah. like that. It was so much fun. The practical jokes that we pulled on one another. Just just the insult, like roasting. Mm-hmm. I've already said there's nothing any commenter, anybody could say that will be worse than things that have been said to me by people who assume, I assume, love me. Uh, it's never going to happen. My friends growing up have said worse, and it, it's all coming from a place of let's fuck around, yeah. but it's never going to get worse than that. So... I think when you grow up in the ball busting culture, you're more able to brush things off and just enjoy the moment because you're like, yeah, this isn't, this is nothing. Just These are words. It, just to call it all, you know, bring it all around again. Where else do you ball bust? In a team I, locker I, room. I mean, hockey. Hockey, we ball bust a lot. Room. Yeah. Again, it yeah. all comes back to team. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right? Yes, yes. Because, uh, dude, we'd ball butt, and it was, you, you, when you were started coming to the locker rooms, he was like our yeah. uh, pseudo coach for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, You I saw all that. that oh, it was, time, yeah. oh, it was just fucking hilarious. It was the best. But it was brutal. But it was fun. Yeah. But exactly. And then you all go for beer after. All the time, right? yeah. And you'd sit around, and it, more ball busting. <laughs> but it was, you'd go home, and you'd, you know, as you fall asleep, you know, you'd think about, oh, man, what Pantella said to me, that was fucking hilarious. And yeah, and you laugh asleep, about it. Giggle. Like, I remember, you know, I played, uh, hockey also in my youth and i played in a league where hitting and fighting was allowed that's a good time and i remember like being you know 21 or 22 and i got into a scrap in in a hockey as you would well i mean i was a bigger guy and i knew that uh, there was a, a gentleman on my team that uh for lack of a better word was a little chippy okay yeah very talented chippy yeah what does that mean you just like to uh-huh. Take people out with the stick. He was a great hockey player. But, you know, our our the guy who organized it said, I got to put you on his line. Bec-. Like, I was Dave Semenko to his Gretzky. Okay. Right? If I can go old. old yeah, yeah, yeah. You were his enforcer. I was his protector. Yeah. You know? And somebody took a shot at him, and I said to the guy, I said, listen, we're going to have to go, man. You can't go after Dre like that, you know? And the guy says, okay, I, I get it. And we lined up off the faceoff, and we dropped the gloves, and we went at it. And we all, all the teams would basically go sit in the same lounge after and have drinks. Yeah. And, you know, we're sitting around and I see the guy and I walked over and I was like, hey, let me buy a beer. That was a good fucking tilt, you know? And I said, good for you for accepting it, you know? And he's like, hey, listen, I, I had to, I realized I did this and it was wrong. And then the next thing you know, both teams are sitting together and this guy and me who fought and Dre are sitting at the same table. Our goalie is sitting there and we're Hockey's different. Sitting- yeah. You know, we're all having fun, and we realize it's just part of sport. And when people go to, you know, to the comedy club, if they get shit on or picked on or whatever they want to call it, um, or they find a joke that is offensive to them, it shouldn't ruin the whole experience. No, no, not at all. It's part of, first of all, that's part of the experience. Oh, man, yeah. Are you kidding? I got, I remember getting picked on by Bill Hicks. Here? Yeah. I was. JFL? Like, uh, yeah, I was like 17. 
And Hicks was doing a show at uh, the old Club Soda, which is now, what is it on Park? What's it called? It's like, it's been renamed. Like, I think it's Mile End or something. Oh, you're talking about right next to where PA Grocery, on Fairmount. Exactly. Yeah, I think, is it called the new Club Soda? What the fuck is it called? I don't even know. Yeah, Fairmount Theater. Fairmount Theater. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So I was there and I was in the second or third row. Again, much bigger, heavier at the time. And he was doing a bit about, uh, you know, um, what the fuck was that show? American Gladiators. Okay. You know, and he saw me and he was like, you know, look at you, man. Fucking Bill Hicks. You know, like he he wasn't mean. He He just pointed out that like I was a big fucking man. Yeah. And this and that. And then he, but I was like, I wore that like a badge of honor. Yeah, that's imagine. You know what I mean? Like, I went back to grade eleven. Fucking hate on, on, on the on the Monday, and I was like, you know what my weekend was, man? Me fucking masturbating to the fact that Bill Hicks made fun of me. And they were like, Bill "Who's Hicks. Bill Hicks?" Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, and I was like, "Well, I'm ahead of my time." Yeah, if that. Yeah, well, you were grade eleven, huh? Yeah, I can't. All I knew, because um, it was in high school when I got into loving comedy stand up, uh, it was Eddie Murphy first. Yeah. And then it was... Uh, uh, or Delirious. You know how I remember it? The first one I saw, he was wearing the red uh, jumpsuit. I think that was Raw. Yep. The first one that I saw was was that one. And then I saw the purple one, which I guess was Delirious. So Because the first one I saw was... Because um, my buddy Dano had got the VHS from, I think, Blockbuster at the time. He said, you got to watch this. And I still remember because me and him just laughing at all the jokes and oh just being, and just the persona that was Eddie Murphy. Because the only thing I knew because I was young of Eddie Murphy before that was on T. I don't remember what channel had it, but whoever had the rights to SNL here in, in Canada or Montreal, uh, they were showing, to me, all SNL was was Eddie Murphy at the time. Do you know why? Because for months, I didn't know that it was the best of SNL. They were showing <laughs> different different best ofs. It was all best of, I guess it was Eddie Murphy. So to me, everything I would see was Eddie Murphy on SNL. So Gumby and, and... And I was just like, oh, fuck, man, this guy's hilarious. And I just saw him with my buddy. You know, I was young, with Dan, doing the stand-up, and I loved it so much. And then stand-up culture, it was so similar to, like, the ball busting that we would do and just joking. Everyone was quick. Everyone I grew up with, like, that core group, all oh, they're so fucking quick. You know, like, he... If he sits with them, he'll he'll get destroyed. He's, like, they're all just bam, 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 bam. So I started to develop that as well. And then uh, comedy now they had here in um, in Canada. Yep. So I would catch people. I remember catching Russell Peters in the beginning before he exploded on that. Uh, Manoli Zontanos, the first time I saw him was on that and yep. I liked him. Uh, there was different people that were getting those spots. So it started to feel a bit closer to home. Like, oh, anybody. There could be stand-ups like any, but I never thought I could do it. I just thought that there could be stand-ups anywhere. And then it was like you. It was the comedyness was a bet. It was a, bro, you're funny, do it. And I was like, look guys, my humor works because we know each other. Right. It doesn't work with strangers. And so when I went to the first time at the nest, I thought it was a one and done. People were laughing. They had a good time. And that's when they were pushing me like, oh, now you got to keep doing it. And then it, it started to snowball. But my intention was, oh, I don't mind. Bom- I'm not embarrassed easily. So I don't mind bombing in front of strangers. And then we end this because they were asking me for a decade. But the opposite happened. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And that's when I started to regret. I go, you fucking idiot. You should have started sooner. How old were you when you started? Oh, I started in 2012, so eight years ago, so in my late 20s. I wish I started when I was like 18 or 19, man. Yeah, I went on when I was 17. I wish. Time, I fucking know? wish. And then I got paid, and that's when I count my, like April 8th, 1992 is the first time I got paid. 
but I had been doing it before that. Yeah. Open mic nights. And we had to audition for open mic nights. Oh, fuck. To get onto the Comedy Nest stage. Yeah, Just for auditions. Wednesday nights. You had to pass an audition. Mine, the only audition I passed there was after to do the weekends. Yep. Uh, with And I was so nervous. I remember it was the first time I was meeting David face-to-face. And Packard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because I got lucky though, because I started in April of 2012. I think my first paid gig was October of 2012. Then I didn't get paid for a long time. And then later that year, I contacted him. I was like, "Can I possibly just showcase for you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm in town this day. I'm gonna have a couple people showcasing." And after what he would do is one person is showcasing, and then the next person is not showcasing. So between acts, he talks to you and tells you what you need to change. So he was giving people tips. And I went. I did my set, and I got off, and I was so nervous. He's like, "Come, come in the back. Let me talk to you." And he looks at me. He goes what you just did right now. Can you do that on Saturday? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, uh, so I'll see you on Saturday. Uh, right. And I, you know, you, it takes you a second to realize what the fuck just happened. I was like, wait, did I just get pat? Like, yeah. am I jumping on the wiki? Hey, come Saturday. If you can do that, he goes, don't fuck around though. Just do that. Do the, the seven minutes, whatever the fuck I did then, do that. And then I was doing that for a couple of weeks, for a couple of months, like honing that. And then he would stop. He would just let me experiment. Dave is so good, man. Yeah. Acker is one of the most positive oh. Um he is the most naturally funny person I know. Anywhere you are, he's him. And backstage, even when it's tense, if somebody said something, he'll come in with a, like a one line or something to just, oh yeah, what the fuck are we doing here? This is a comic exactly. club. Calm down, guys. He is, uh, and again, you know, being able to, to tour early on in my career with people like him and DJ, John Rogers, going on the road with Heidi, you know, as, as, as an MC or an opener, I learned so much. Because you, especially Deej and John, who at the time were each doing about 40 a night. And I just had to go up and do like 10, 12 minutes off the top and be the, you know, yeah. the fat bastard in the Western that takes the bullets so they can be John Wayne, you know. Um, but watching them every night just go into these colleges and these clubs and just merciless, they fucking slayed them. You know, like... If, it's motivating. If, oh, my God. And you get into the car after, and you just listen to them talk. I wouldn't ask... I wouldn't say a word. I was the driver. I wouldn't say a word. And then the next day, if we were going from, let's say, you know, Windsor to uh, London, Ontario, that's when I would start asking the questions. Like, how did you know to do this last night? And why did you go from this to that? Like, when did you realize you had to? And that's when, in my head, I'm just, you know, taking the notes. Okay. So when I get to be, you know, in that position. I got to know. I know that if this situation happens, I'm prepped. Like, honestly, if they had watched John Rogers, DJ, Acker, like, early, mid-90s, doing colleges, when, like, colleges were, this is where you made your money. I mean, if they considered killing an audience murder, dude, these guys be doing life forever. It's funny how you mention what you learned from who. Because I've mentioned a lot that best crowd work that I've ever seen is you and Sugar Sammy are the two guys that oh, it's... Well, and I've awesome. said, if you guys, it's very much... And I understand you're professionals, you know, you, do, you but it's just the way it comes off is so conversational that people sometimes start talking to you guys, they forget that they're a comedy show. You can't teach that. It's either you have it or you don't. That level of crowd work is, it's just you, like I haven't seen, but you know who taught me inadvertently about how hosting is a whole different art form. And I know, like myself, I'm not a good host for stand-up. 
it was David Acker because I saw him. That was it was from him that I learned. Oh shit! Sometimes you got to dig your way out. You could dig your way out, but you have to have the skills to do it. It was the first time I had seen him host at the Nest, and it wasn't a particularly good night. And I think it was with the second person that went on. He just went in full Acker mode, and he I don't know if he was doing the bit where he takes off his shirt. Oh yeah, or, I love that. And the construction where he falls. You could yeah, and you could see him slowly like putting with a shovel digging his way out digging whatever happened before with the other comic the opener you could see him digging them out and then bringing them to an even level but the energy it took and from him i would that's why sometimes i would joke about it when he'd be like don't fuck this up or whatever and i'd go see, on that's the old school in him but he he would make me laugh but i would think of no matter what even if it starts off rocky I got to dig my way out. I got to keep working. You roll up your sleeves because I saw him. I saw Acker, who he owned the club. If he wanted to, you could be like, fuck, I don't care. I'm out. The next guy's fucked. But because I saw him roll up his sleeves, literally and figuratively, I was like, you know what? Like figuratively, obviously, he didn't roll up, But literally, because he was falling down, he was trying everything he could to get them uh, back on board. I was like, yo, this is a different art form. Hosting is a way, way different art form than just doing stand-up. Crowd work is different from me talking about these stories about my life. All that stuff is different. And it was from him that I learned to respect the different like forms and hosting. That's when I knew. And he would make me host sometimes to fuck with me. Like I'd show up and be like, you're hosting. And I was like, I can't. It was a weekend. And I was like, I don't know how to host. Like, you know how to fuck off. Like just, just do your best. Just do whatever you think you're going to do. Just talk to them more than you would tell stories. Just fucking host. So he would try to get me to learn little things in the beginning, uh, Acker. But he would do it in these subtle ways of not like, uh, this is going to be, I'd show up and be like, yeah, you're, you're actually hosting and you're doing this. And he would do little things that I noticed after. He was just trying to throw curveballs to get me more comfortable on stage. And they all worked. Dave's genius. He is yeah. a genius. And the thing I like, you know, you're like this. Uh, I'm like this. Dave's like this. Um, one of the, my pet peeves is how many times people blame the audience for a bad set. Ah, bro, you can, like I said, it, it's... I can tell you that... They, they they use that and they use the term kill a lot. I've been doing this a long time. I can honestly tell you I've had enough legit like kills probably on two hands. Mm, that's not true because I think I've probably seen you maybe more than that. So your your perception, yeah, maybe. you're hard on yourself. I am hard on myself. That's what, because I've there's a reason why you have the name that you have, right? And I've actually, I've seen you do well when everything says that you should do what everyone before you did. And that's bomb, right? If we're going to blame the audience and I've seen you do the complete fucking opposite. So do, do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. th there's, and you, and you might remember some cases I'm talking about and you always started with, again, I don't know what the fuck you have planned and what the fuck is off the cuff because it always looks like, all right, he knows it's fucked up. So he's just going to, you know try to drag this on a bit and roll with it. But from the beginning, I noticed like after two minutes, like, oh, this was a trap. The motherfucker set them up. They fell for the trap and now he won them over. Yeah. Like he, he just trapped them in this conversation. He set them up and didn't realize that them being pissed, he just turned it. So anyways, the I've seen the, the you thing pull is, that shit out of uh, your hat. You got a thank you. But the, the way to do it is watch a lot of cop shows. Explain. Because in the interrogation process, they manipulate the conversation to go their way. Yeah. If you do a lot of crowd work, there is a, a way that you can manipulate the conversation. But so you that, have you know, to be good at you. you ah. it's, it's it's trial and error. It wasn't yeah. like it just. Worked no, no, I don't think you had you this know? since you started. Yeah. Oh no! But where you are now, even even a non comic watching you and just 
Like this motherfucker to trick a room, like to set a trap. Like, cause that's what jokes are, right? We're always high on the punchline. We're saying some kind of trap, but I've seen you set trap. Like I call them traps, and I'm like, "There's no this motherfucker. Look at they're gonna explode." Right? Wait, wait till he gets the punchline, and then you'll just one of these Joey Elias punchlines of yeah, it's a throwaway. Like it's a nothing, and the room explodes. It's kind of like you're throwing a little grenade, that little smirk, yeah. and th- that shit's fucking amazing to watch. Oh, thanks, man. That's that's art. That's like that's like you chiseling away. You know. I think the key is to have fun. Yeah. No matter what your persona is on stage, whether it's a grumpy person, um, you know, like the Stephen Wright kind of low key, or you're very energetic, I think the key is just to know the audience has to know that you're having fun and that you're fucking with them. Yeah. You know, that's why when I when I first started, no matter what I said, I would try never to laugh or smile. Because you had to maintain the persona. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I'll admit it. Like, I'll giggle if something comes to mind. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Or I shouldn't have said that, you know, or just anything. Um, but I, or I'll giggle. And I think the, the it's contagious. I think they know, oh, wait a minute. He's having a good time. We're having a good time. Yeah. It's like when you watch your favorite band live, you know, like that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge hip fan, but they're not on tour anymore for obvious reasons. Um, but Dave Matthews, I've seen numerous times. And they're wonderful because they jam like crazy. So even if you've got, like I've seen them back-to-back nights in different cities. Um, and they'll play the same song, but they don't play it the same way. And I've seen them in an interview and they go, we don't play it the same way because we keep it interesting for us. They're having fun is what you're saying. Exactly. And you can see it. You can see when they're on stage and they're just, you know, okay, let me, you know, time for a drum solo. Drum solo. Okay. And you can see all the other musicians are watching the drummer because they know he's having the moment and he's enjoying this. And then the bass player's going to have his moment. Everybody's going to have their moment. And it's just, again, it's just this unification of everybody in that room is on that individual. And it's so cool. I could tell with comics, like the, when you met, I could, uh, cause I like seeing that when they just, like, sometimes I'll laugh at my joke, even though I've heard it. It's just the way I said it that time or a reaction. And it makes me like, oh, fuck, yeah, that is funny. I should have appreciated more. Yeah. And I think they like that, too. And you know, Hacker, he's a fucking teacher. Because something just came to mind that I never realized. He told me something. Because remember, in the like, when I started, that's kind of when people were like, oh, are you allowed to talk about this? Are you allowed to talk about race? Are you allowed? To? So some of my stuff was like, oh, maybe it's aggressive. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it. And he was like, no, no, they laugh. So clearly it's working. And then I had asked him, I think, why why am I allowed to talk about that? But the next guy, the, he gets groans and I get laughs. And then he said, the way you present yourself in the first minute, you tell them who you are, he says, mm-hmm. and they know that it's okay. And I just nodded my head and said, yep. But I never understood what he meant until right now. Like it just popped in my head. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying because I never explain who I am. I guess it's all in my mannerisms or my face. Maybe I'm sm- like the smirk gives it away that I'm fucking around. I don't know what it is. But when he told me, I just said, yep. But I didn't get it until right now. The uh, vibes. Yeah, I never got until right this moment what he what Acker meant when he said that. Jerry Orbach, who uh, was on uh, Law and Order, and he was an old vaudeville. Like he also did the uh, the voice of Lumiere, I think, in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it was him. And he was an old vaudevillian actor, and I remember seeing him on Letterman years ago. And Letterman said to him, "Like you were a master of comedy acting." you know, back then, and now you're known for this tough, dramatic cop. What is the difference? And Jerry Orbach just said this. He goes, this is drama. Get out. This is comedy. Get out. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So subtle. And I thought, wow, that is, again, everything I see that, you know, uh, from people I admire, whether they're famous or they're not, it could just be somebody from life that I, I really look up to. Um, it's just those little moments that you, if you, like you said, you don't pay attention, you miss a very valuable lesson. Yeah. You know, and um, there's still so much to be learned in, for me from for stand-up because oh yeah we never stop you know i mean for somebody who who has done what i've done um i still feel like i there's more to achieve um you know and then you got people coming in you know to the comedy club that are so much fun to watch you know uh nick griffin wendy liebman you know uh wilmot comes through these are people that you know you look at their resume and you can say well they can just do whatever they want but they don't their work ethic is fantastic they're great stand-up comics and more important i think that these are people that are good people off stage yeah that helps and i don't like hanging out i think this is why we get along other than you know we're, we're both just funny easy going steeler fans psychopaths you know um i can't stand the guys that are on all the time you know, that hey, what's up, man? Get the mm. fuck away well, from me. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've had many situations. You brought this up to me where we're backstage and we'll, this happens and we'll just give each other a look yeah. and then walk out, go further back to the back backstage. And it's funny because I didn't realize I was doing it in the beginning. And then after it was from him because you had mentioned it once, you're like, why is he always on? Yeah. And then that's, I go, oh yeah, that's why I walked out because I would just give you a look and I didn't know what I was trying to say, but it was just inside me. I was like, what is happening right now? Like, we're all just shooting the shit. We're like, did you fucking see this? And he comes and he's like, well, guys, what's the deal with snow? Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about, you fucking idiot? We're backstage. What is this? You're doing a bit? Yeah. Like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, that is the worst. When, when people come up to you, like, uh, especially on the road when you're the headliner and they introduce themselves to you, like, hey, I'm just a, you know, I've been doing this for about six months and you try to be as nice as possible. Yeah. And then, you're having a conversation and you're like, did you just sneak in your fucking material in conversation? Get the fuck. Like, I, I've literally said this. I said, and this was actually like three weeks ago to somebody. Get the fuck out of here. Right? It was, uh, yeah, when I was just in Kingston. I, I sitting around. I was like, are you doing material on me right now? And the guy goes, why? I go, shut, fuck you. Buy me a beer. Well, we're having a conversation. Go, buy me a beer. I said, if you're going to entertain me, then let me sit here like I'm going to be entertained, you know? And he's like, what? I go, don't do material on other comics, bro. Not at the show. That's why you get together with other comics during the day for coffee or whatever, and you have writing sessions. You bounce ideas off yeah. each other. But it, like five minutes before showtime, you want, first of all, I'm getting into my head. Yeah, and now you're fucking you know, with me. And yeah. now you, what? get out of here, man. I don't like when people can't take me. Like sometimes I'm being serious. I'm bitching about something. And someone's like, dude, you should do that on stage later. And I was like, I'm not. He's like, is that, you're working on that? I was like, I'm not. I'm really, I'm talking about something that's really pissing me off. I thought we're having a fucking conversation here. Why do you assume? He's like, but it's funny. It's fu It's not funny. You're just laughing at me being angry. Yeah. Like, listen, we're having, just tell me, what do you think about this? Like, I think you should say it on stage. And that would always get, I'd be like, you're a fucking comic. If I can't talk to you as a real person, when can I talk to someone? You ever get the, uh, oh, I thought you were joking. All the time. You know, like I'll be going up to somebody telling them something really serious and horrible. Yeah. And they're like. 20 minutes later, they're like, oh, you're not joking? But that's my fault also because of I have a history of deadpan straight face. Like I sometimes I'll do it on stage, like the straight face, I something want. ridiculous. And it's just after a while, people are like, is he fucking? He does it to me. Now. He doesn't know when I'm fucking with him. Yeah. 
He, you should see a text message he sent to a woman last yeah. week because he thought I was serious because I was straight face fucking with him. Well, well, here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> here's the thing. Sometimes he has said ridiculous things like that, and he has been serious, and it has worked. Yes. By the way, so I never know when I'm serious, but you know? now he doesn't know anymore. So he gets himself in a situation where he doesn't. I go, why would you? Do? He's like, but you told me. I go, you fucking imbecile. Clearly, I was fucking with you. It's even worse when you ever have that buddy who doesn't ever joke with you. And, and then they decide, today's the day I'm getting yeah, back yeah. at you for all the shit you pulled on me throughout high school and whatever. And you're like, man, that that's some patience, by the way. That's deep, yeah. You know what I mean? Like somebody waited 15 years <laughs> to get back at God you damn. because you glued their fucking locker shut in high school. Like, that is some patience. I appreciate those. Me too. <laughs> I appreciate the long ones, the ones that pay off later. I kind of like the ones that even if, I remember one time when you were allowed, this goes back years, uh, you know, we were just hanging out. I was always the big guy that, uh, you know, we'd sit there at a Dunkin' Donuts on Coach Stanley Remember Road. Dunkin' Donuts? Right. It was 24 hours. We knew the owners. It was great. So we're like 17, 18. And the big thing was uh, if we sat down, they would actually give you a real cup and a spoon, right? And you'd the good there. old days. Yeah. And I'd sit there with the spoon in the coffee the whole time. And then, like, if we were sitting like this, I'd be like, oh, my God, look who walked in. And you'd turn around, and I'd take my spoon that was hot, and I'd put it on your hand. And you'd be like, ah, fucking, whatever. Uh, we'd play a lot of pool. And when the person was lining up, i always take the lighter. You know? <laughs> Everything was to burn people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so one time, they got me good. They went and bought uh, this little stick. That you stick into a cigarette, and much like the cartoons, it will explode. Oh, get the oh, fuck shit. out of this badass. Right? So here we are one night at, uh, at Dunkin' Donuts, and they're like, hey, you want a cigarette? I'm like, all right. I won't say no. And the guy hands me the cigarette. And God love my buddies. They didn't laugh. You know, they were just like, yep. And they lit up, and <laughs> bam! Fucking thing exploded, just like in the comics. You know, like it literally bent back. I've got some black shit all over my face. The guys are laughing. And I know I've been had. Obviously, there was an explosion in your you mouth, know? sir. And I just kept, uh, he kept, <laughs> kept smoking the rest of the cigarette. Just never to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, I love those moments. You know? like, and just funny. black in the face. Oh, but it was like, great, though. They got me so good. The last guy that had this became prime minister, so I'm good. This is, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You guys have helped me with my future. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so it was... Uh, but I miss those practical jokes, you know? Like, I mean, especially being on the road on tour with some of the guys that if you're really close with. Yeah. Um, that's what I really do miss, is being in a car with another comic or another two comics. You know, you got to drive an hour or two to a gig, and you just sit there, and you, you, you shoot the shit. Most of the time on the way there, it's a little bit about, you know, you talk shop and you yeah. talk about whatever. And it's always funny, on the way back, it's very quiet. And it's not because it's later. It's not because it's, you know, we're tired. It's because we all got into the car, and we're all still replaying our set. Yeah, how did we do? You know, so that two-hour ride back is only an hour conversation once we all process what happened, you know, and then we pull over, get some gas, and that's usually when the conversation starts. Hey, you know. Um, but I do miss those moments. I, I've said it before. It's the green room that I miss. It's all those. It's all being with comics, being with standups, and there's there's stuff I can say to a standup, and the way I say it that I can't do it to a civilian. And 
I miss those, that feeling. Like just people that get where you're coming from. Comedically. Judd Apatow. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said the comedy green room is where all the misfits go to feel like they fit. Yeah, I feel amazing. You know, and I do. I mean, uh, you know, I feel closer to my comedy family than I do with most of my friends. These people, and I say they're family because yeah. they are. Everybody that I started with, I mean, uh, on my wall at home, there's the picture of the uh, the curtain call from the 40th anniversary of the Comedy Nest, you know? Um, whoever took the picture and sent it to me, but it's everybody. Uh, minus John, who couldn't be there, and DJ, who sadly, like I said, passed away. But there are people in that picture that mean more to me and have taught me more about myself and about life than people that I went to elementary, high school, you know, college with. Um, the experiences that I've had with those people, you know? Yeah. I mean, nobody can take that, you know, like the fact, it's so crazy. I feel more... I don't know. I you know. I get it. I get people it. People say, uh, "Oh, you know, I'm not. I'm not nostalgic about high school at all." And it was. It's very weird. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you just before that my mom passed away not even a month ago. And what's really weird in all this is all these friends that I haven't heard from in years from high school that have reached out, you know, to say their condolences and and you know memories of my mom. Very nice, but none of the, and you know, even if they're listening, they'll know. I was very touched by it. I tried to reply as much as I could, but it's not like we're going to become friends again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm going out of my, there was a reason we haven't really kept in touch for the last 25 years. Yeah. Minus, honestly, there's two that did reach out that I didn't think I was ever, I didn't know where they were. That's very nice. I'm, I'm going to keep in touch with them. But the majority of them, honestly, I have no connection. You know, they, they've moved on with their lives. Like I said, these, some of these people were like, are you going to do your hobby the whole life? Yeah, yeah, those people. You know, and now they're emailing me, oh, so sorry, and this, oh, I see you on Global, your mother. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, again, where I always say, there was the family that raised me, and then there's the family I grew up with, and that's the comedy family. Because I was, I was 17. You know, I had... I'm the oldest of all my siblings, but I say I had two older brothers. My late uncle, who was 12 years older than me, who taught me about, you know, music. Like, when I got to grade seven, you know, everybody else was listening to whatever it was the big hit. Whatever top 40, yeah. You know? In my locker, I had pictures of Hendrix, Janis Joplin, you know, uh, all the, the who. I that was because your locker, uncle? Because of my uncle. Because after school, some days I would go over to my grandmother's house and my uncle was there and I'd hear the music he listens to. And then I also heard my first George Carlin album, Through the Door. And that's when I thought, what is this? What is this? It was Class Clown, you know? And then my- It's from your uncle also. Yeah. yeah. And then my comedy brother, David John McCarthy, you know, uh, who took me on from day one, you know, and we traveled together he invited me over to Christmas first, you know, to his house because, 
you know, I, growing up Jewish at 18 or 19, I'd never really done a proper Christmas. I've always been, I was invited to, you know, friends or neighbor's house, but always for the dessert part. Yeah, like the yeah. whole, You know, and he was like, nope, you're coming for the whole goddamn thing. You know, and then and Easter and, and literally he became my brother. You know, um, and that's why his brother now is my brother and, and his nephew are my brother because yeah. there was a closeness. But yeah, those were... Uh, and, and, you know, David Acker and Heidi, Pride, Sagan, like, did Scotty, Bowser Blue, Martha, like, all these people. If, if anything, if they needed anything at any moment, Barry, you know, uh, all they got to do is call. Yeah. They're family. I would drop everything for these people because I, I've seen it. They've done it for me. When I was in a time of need, you know, I never, and sometimes you reach out, sometimes you don't, but they just pick, they hear, they pick up the phone. What do you need, bro? Yeah. And sometimes that's the greatest thing you can hear, you know? Yeah, just what do you need? What can I do? Yep. And that's why, I mean, like you said, comics just get comics. Yeah. You know, it's it's like Chappelle said to Letterman, there's a reason cops hang out with cops. Yeah, fuck, that's true, yeah. You know? Comics hang out with comics. And good comics hang out with good comics. Yeah, there's that I was about to say. You yeah. know? There's a reason that the superheroes, they hang out at the Hall of Justice and everybody else can fuck off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm an elitist that way too. There's, you know, like you go to the cellar, you got to be invited to sit at a certain table. Yeah, yeah the table in the back, yeah. Yeah, you know, you got to earn that seat. That's yeah. how I feel some days here in Montreal. And unfortunately, not everybody understands that. But again, everybody seems to think that, you know, if they tell one joke to their co-friend or co-worker, co-friend, is that even English? I guess. Uh, I get what you're saying. They're yeah, coworkers. You know, coworkers. They're, they're work friends. There you go. Right. Thanks for bailing me out. Uh, does that make them a comic? Just because they sit there in their basement and they yammer into a screen for 25 minutes and they make me laugh twice. Does that make them a comic? According to them, it does. Well, yeah, because the Serb. Not by my standards. <laughs> well, my buddy Gino Bisconte in New York, he was telling me as a comic, he goes, don't worry, this is good because it'll... It's going to weed out all the people who it should, right? Who I aren't hope. comics. But it, you're right. That's how people thought in the beginning because you're like, well, they're, they're not making any money doing comedy. Now they're fucked. But the opposite happened because now they were getting money to not even be comics. So I was like, oh, shit. I didn't, until you just said it, it never clicked in my head that they stayed afloat because the government. Yeah. Trudeau was responsible for shitty comedy. Keeping shit comedy alive. The Canadian government hasn't, you know, looked at uh, comedy as an official art form yet. Yes, yeah, uh, that's you know he's catching all the shit acts. Yeah, that's why he's like, "What is this garbage?" <laughs> I'm not funding that piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, you got to start going to better shows, Mister Prime Minister. Come to Montreal. We got stuff for you. Both languages, and isn't uh, no? Well, Bordell is not in his writing, but not far. No, well, Park X is his writing. Yeah. Um. So I'll set up a show for him if he wants. Not even that. Let him come enjoy. Bring yeah. the wife. Kids are too young. Kids are way too young. We don't. We don't do that. But uh, bring the wife. We'll we'll have fun with them. Yeah. yeah. I know he's got a good sense of humor. He has to. I do know. I've, I've actually interviewed him. Oh, how was that? It was great. He's a, honestly, he's, um, whether you agree with him politically or not, um, behind closed doors, he is a fine individual um, that has his priorities straight and has a good sense of humor. Um, again, understands the greater good and tries to do it. Not always successful because you got guys like fucking Aaron O'Toole. I don't know who that is. The leader of the conservative. The new guy. What has he done already? Oh, he just, 
he's a he's going to be problems. He's because I like the other guy. I like Polievre. He's kind of like a mini Trump up here. Not Polievre. Polievre I like a lot. No O'Toole. O'Toole. I don't know. I don't know enough about him, so I can't make a judgment call. But Polievre, that guy, I like. Uh, but he's he's one of those guys. Like anytime I like someone, they're never in charge of the party. Like I used to like for the conservatives, I like the Rana Ambrose. Dude, if she was the leader, people would vote. They would they would be the party of, in, in, in uh, power right now. Yeah. They would because she's a smart, uh, no bullshit individual. And when Dude. she was their interim leader, they were in better shape than they are That's now. That's what I'm saying. But fucking but she probably knew. She's, she she's knew making she did, too yeah. much money being like, a consultant. This. Yeah, yeah. She's making money being uh on television as a as an analyst, and she doesn't need that headache. She day. yeah, she's she realized she's smart enough to realize that yep. this is a losing game. But exactly, so her, I was like, oh, I can. This person I like, and then someone had to explain to me, that's not the leader. That's interim, and yeah. on purpose. When you're interim, I think you can't actually run for leadership after that's she right. did it on purpose because she's like, I'll help out, but there's no way in hell right. I'm going into politics. And everybody said that she could have won easily. Oh, he's dude, I like that woman so much. She was no bullshit. Tough. That's why, because Trudeau, the problem is because he has that teleprompter feel of I'm going to say what they told me to say rather than what I feel from the heart. But this woman was just off the cuff. I like that. I appreciate that in a leader, but you don't get it with anyone. I realize that with politics, I'm asking for too much. Who out there, except for Trump, but, but who <laughs> knows what he's we about Both of us, we're about to hit the Yeah, button. you're about to hit the Trump button, but <laughs> it's just, okay, Trump, let's say Trump says whatever he feels, but that's one guy out of, there's over 200 countries. There's elections every, it depends on country, two or four years. When it's so rare to see that, so I'm asking for too much. I'm asking for too much on politicians. Yeah. It should just be like, can they do the fucking job, shut the fuck up and accept that? Because if I keep saying that, then I can never vote for anyone. And Trump wasn't actually a politician. True. Yeah, exactly. So find a politician that actually, so, it's impossible. Because you know I mean? in order to get to a certain level, if you're in the party, you got to shut your mouth sometimes and not say what you think. Yeah. So it's it's hard to find that. What I feel like I'm being an asshole when it comes to politicians. Like I'm asking, this politician's not good enough. That politician's not good enough. They're not going to be good enough. They're politicians. They're in. They're doing something that me being a stand-up, I'm going to hate about them ethically the way they, you know what I mean? So I can't, yeah. I'm trying to be reasonable, but I have to realize that I'm that's, an unreasonable person. I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I've been asked to run yeah. for mayor. Uh, legit. People yeah. are like, yeah, be mayor. And I'm like, there's a part of me that's interested because I love this city. Yeah. Um, I hate what it's become in terms of, you know, all the, like, like we said, everything's fucking green and I have no problem about going green. Yeah, me neither. But, this woman has to realize cars aren't going anywhere, right? The evolution of car went from you had to crank it up, right? And then it went to leaded gas. Then it went to unleaded. Now we're at hybrids. Then it's going to go electric. They're going nowhere. Yeah. And hopefully flying fucking cars. Yeah. But for her, her to say, you know, I don't have a car. I don't ride the car to work. And that way, more bikes and this and that. You have to understand the majority of your population has a car. Yeah, deal mm. within reality. Okay? Mm. So you can't just phase out cars because you feel like it. Like if I run for mayor, I don't like a lot of cheese. You know? I don't I'm not a big dairy guy. Do you think I'm going to start fucking closing <laughs> routes? <laughs> you know, to get to the the, the cheat? No. Starts fucking with Sapuro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sapuro, you gotta move. Like, yeah. Why? Because well, of like all that cheese. cheese shit. I don't like the cheese. What? I thought it was because of the mafia stuff. No, 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 it's the cheese thing. <laughs> no, but seriously, <laughs> well, imagine I had to call up 
the Saputo family, if I became mayor and go, listen, man, you gotta drop the. Dairy. I don't know how you do this, but I need you to move cities. <laughs> but the best is for Why? for what? I, I don't like cheese, and I'm the mayor, so there's no more cheese in Montreal. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done, but you got to move. Like how asinine is that? Yeah, I mean, totally talk to the, you know she sits there and she talks about saving little mom and pop shops, and yet she closed down St. Catherine for more pedestrians and cyclists, not giving a shit about all the blockades. You know, how about the people that do want to come down and shop? Yeah, but. They can't get on a bus because they have a wheelchair or they, they broke their leg and they're in a cast or they got to get to the doctors. You know, their doctor, their clinic is downtown. You want them to take the metro and then hobble? Yeah, not even provided a lane you know, where they could take a... It's fucking crazy. It's no. just, you were not think The one thing I've learned from watching Blue Bloods, because Tom Selleck after Henry Winkler could be the coolest, is, and I, I think people forget this, the mayor of every city is an employee of the citizens. Yeah. And you are supposed to do everything in your power to make what the majority of the citizens want. What the fuck? I don't think the majority of the people want anything she's done in the last year and a half. No, I don't. And now I really do believe that she's going to start throwing in like these fast plans before the election, which is coming up for one of two reasons. One... Either she's going to implement, you know, implement all these new uh, lanes and parks and stuff to win over some more of the greenies, or she's just going to be like, I know I'm going to lose. I'm going full throttle. That's it. You know, I'm going to put it, and that way the next administration has to finish what we started and, and they can eat my, uh, my mess. Yeah. You Downtown know? is just a giant tree. <laughs> <laughs> with is, bike lanes they all turn into a, fucking well i mean it's impossible to get around now. no no we've dude even during the pandemic we try to go down there sometimes everything is closed yeah. streets are blocked storefronts obviously are shut yeah. down because there's no business and but she's all, fucked it all up well and, and the storefronts that are empty are now becoming homeless uh shelters because unfortunately the homeless don't want to like yesterday i did this um i did morning television okay and one of the things was they gave us like this nice little breakfast to go you know it was boxed up and I was walking down uh, from the, the Queen Elizabeth to um, what's the, Peel Metro Station. I was holding the breakfast, whatever. And I see a homeless gentleman. I gave it to him. I gave him my food. Yeah. And then not even like a minute later, somebody goes, hey, that was, I saw you give that man your food. Why? Why? What? Yeah, why? Yeah, he's, he's down and out. I could get some food. Really? That's what Dude, we're that's, dealing with now. Guys, like, why not me, bro? I'm hungry too. <laughs> yeah, but that man was Poseidon. <laughs> you know? He caught. He's like, Joey, what no, are you doing? What I mean. this downtown, whole time, guys. <laughs> you go downtown. You can't walk a block without seeing oh, no, uh, it's, yeah, it's, a, a homeless person that has, you know, set up shop in front of you know one of the thousands of stores that have closed. Yeah. Uh, you say to them. You know, do you want, like I offered one woman the other day, because it was funny. She said, sir, you dropped a 20 over here uh, for me. That's what she goes, you dropped a 20 over here for me. And I thought, oh, that's hilarious. And I said, why are you out here? She goes, I got no money. I said, so if I give you 20 bucks, you're going to, can you get some shelter with, you know, food? She goes, I don't want to go to a shelter. Yeah, I've, I've been told that by homeless, but I, I don't said, understand. What do you mean? I said, it's cold, You're, you know? Yeah. She goes, I know I've avoided covid oh fuck she goes i, I don't I, she goes i don't feel safe going into an overnight shelter 
just to stay warm. She goes, if I need to stay warm, I'll find a place to stay warm. And then I, I said to her, I said, here's 20 bucks. Yeah, I, I said, here's $20. I said, I Eat don't know something. if you're going to get, she goes, you know what I'm going to go do? I'm going to go get a, a big coffee and that'll. Whatever. Say, but you say to yourself, like, again, I mean, you can't give 20 bucks to every person you see like that. You can't even, like, if I gave up a dollar to everybody I saw. Yeah, you're broke. Yeah. You it's, know, by the time I, I walk 15 blocks, I'd have to hit the ATM like three more times. So um, it's not like I'm sitting here, you know, spewing my campaign promises, but there's got to be a better solution. Um, and part of it is not letting all these companies like uh, Kojiko, not Kojiko, but uh, Kojir and oh. and Achilles and all these fucking big companies. They buy up these little places where, you know, people could afford to rent 700, 800, 900 bucks. Then they go in, they slowly gut the place, they redo it. And then from 700, you know, the person still has the same fucking one and a half. But what did they do? They put in some new windows. They changed the, you know, the shower and the, and the faucets for this individual. And now that 700 department is 1000 Well, that individual is in that $700 apartment for a reason. You have to make a cat. These people can't buy up the city like that. The city, ha what they have to do is they have to go and buy these vacant buildings. And they have to, you know, take care of them and tend to them. And then what you do is you say to the person, okay. How much do you think you can pay me? 50 bucks a month? And we're going to help you get a job. And then eventually, you know. We'll oh, yeah, you're talking about getting people back on their feet. Yeah. City-owned city uh, complexes for people to get them off the street and then have a program, much like on our own or Nazareth House that was started by, you know, uh, numerous years ago. Um, that's also downtown. Shade Doors for women. They yeah. do it. Counsel them, teach them, build up their confidence, get them nice clothes, get them a place where they have a door, you know, where they feel safe, where they can keep their belongings. Just self-confidence of these people as opposed to, you know, having a tent city where they feel more safe. Yeah, yeah. And, unfortunately, and that tent city would still be up if they didn't have that fire. Yeah, yeah. You know, and some people, well, they had a fire because they set up a tent city. It well, is. no, I mean, listen, we have fires in non-tent cities too. Yeah. So. But it's all, it, listen, they did set up a propane thing yeah. right outside a, a plastic No tent. one's saying it was smart. You know, <laughs> but again, it's because these people did not feel safe enough to go to the shelters provided by the city. The other problem is some of them don't take pets and many, yeah. you see them. And, and people, you know, I don't understand people like, why don't they just sell the dog? No, no, no. Hey, stupid. That's companionship. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, my little dog, I wouldn't sell her. I wouldn't give her away. There's no price of a surgery that could stop me from doing it. Like, I'd give up everything. And the other thing they have to do is uh, allow people to live in apartments with animals. Do you know that rentals in Montreal, less than 3% of them allow dogs? Do you know that that's why I'm paying an arm and a leg where I am? Because it was the only place that would let me keep my dog? Yeah. And that's I'm, bullshit. Yeah, I lose money every month. It was a place I didn't need because I, I wasn't willing to give away my little dog. And that's what I mean. I mean, if you're paying $700, you, I mean, I, I just think that nowadays if you want to have a dog for companionship or a cat, anything, especially with this lockdown continuing, yeah. you know, I mean, I've been, good thing. I've been isolating by myself. I'm not allowed to have a 
pet in my place. Most people in Montreal can't have pets. I'll tell you, I would have a, another dog, not a big dog or whatever, but I would have a dog just so I, it would motivate me to get out at least yeah. three, four times a day. I mean, I get out now, I try to walk every day, but there's a purpose. There's a, you know, you can go to a park place, uh, you know, there's a, there's a companion that when you get home, it's not, oh, an it's empty, a parade. Mm. It's not an empty echoing, you know, hallway of nothing. When mm. I'm home for the record in the daytime and the dog's there, I don't feel like I'm alone in the house. Exactly. Which is, it's weird to explain, but it's not the same as if my dog, I drop my dog off at my mom's because they like to hang out together uh, and then I'm home. I feel alone. But mm-hmm. if the dog's with me, it, the house feels full. Yeah. Dogs are the shit. Man, I remember sometimes going home from work, uh, taking shit from clients and just eating shit all day. But the feeling I would get while I walk into my apartment two in the morning. Oh, the dog? The little dog is there on the couch with her face like this, <laughs> wagging her tail. Everything oh, just... It's <laughs> unconditional love. Yeah. yeah. Right? You could come home covered in blood after murdering people. It's my mouse pad. It's my little dog. There you go. <laughs> you know, and that yeah. dog still loves you no matter what. Yeah, I love that little dog. And if you love dogs, you're going to vote for Joey when he runs for mayor of Montreal. By the way, the, you're going to use this clip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run your campaign. All right. I'm, I'm going to be the guy. I'm down for that. But Joey, goddamn, we—you know—this is this is one of the long ones. This has been over two hours. I love it. Sweet that we had an over two-hour podcast. Kidding? Yeah, I'm serious. Wow, that's pretty good. Considering uh, I got lucky because I have a—I didn't even know I have an interview in about 25 minutes. Oh, look at look at that timing. So links are in the description to follow Joey to check out his stuff. But even if you're not an internet person, if you don't want to go on the Twitter, which is the best place to follow uh, Joey, make sure if you're in the area, you check out his segments on Global so that they know that there's one quality program that they have there, and that's his. Yeah, Sunday at uh, part of the 6 o'clock news. Part of the 6 o'clock news. Yeah. So you have to watch Sometimes the they put us on early. It's very weird. If it's topical, yeah. then we're in the, the, the opening, like the, the front segment. To bring him in. And if not, we close the show. I like both of those spots, actually. They're both good I spots. really like closing the... Uh, I feel like Gen- uh, Genie Moost. Well, what I like about the closing is you end on a high note. So even if it's depressing news... They're going to, whoever's watching the news that night is going to be like, all right, well, I'm stopping happy. I mean, because. Right. I mean, if there's, a, and that's why they do end the, new, the news a lot with Jeannie Moose. She, just to. You know, the, the cleanse, you know, it's like everything's death and peril and this. Ah, oh, here's a little. So people come here for no death and peril. And uh, that's it. That's what you're going to get. Go fuck yourselves. To the thoughts of my head All my confessions are the latest trend I'll post them on my feed For you all to read oh my God. No remedy, no alibi It's only me, myself and I Memories I catch the time's gone by We've built this prison Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.